All right, Justin. I don't know if I asked you to sing a song last time or not. Did I? Yeah, you did. Did I make it just sing a song? Or was that, oh, it was the singing the song I'm thinking of, wasn't it? All right. All right, Justin. What song am I thinking about right now? Um. Hmm. You're thinking about any song. It would have to be. I don't know. Since you've been gone. Since you've been gone by Kelly Clarkson. You know, that would have yep. actually worked last night because I watched a TikTok of uh, Ed Helms playing the banjo to that song last night. But alas, this is tonight, not last night. So uh, you don't get that point. Dang it. All right, Heather, this is your shot. What song am I thinking about right now? Um, we are the Titans, the mighty, mighty Titans. Something like that. <laughs> you know, that's not the song I am thinking of. But, okay. but you're actually kind of close. So I'm actually going to give you a point on that one. Nice. You know, I figured it was something related to the Titans. I just didn't know any other song about the Titans. Well, yes, because the Titans did literally just finish making their first pick or their, yeah, their first round draft pick uh, in this year's draft. And I'm thinking of the song Tennessee Titans by Tella. Okay. Hmm. Yes, I have yeah, no I don't doubt know that, that neither song, one but... of you have heard that song. I I randomly came across that song. Uh, so yes, it does not surprise me that no one else has heard of that song. It's also 19 years old. <laughs> so, How crazy would it have been if randomly one of us did sing it and you were like, what? I knew you wouldn't. <laughs> hmm. I'm just saying, you, if we you did, would. it would you blow wouldn't. you away. It's... It's a 2002 song by a rapper no one else has heard of. Would we have gotten like five points? If anybody had guessed that, they would have gotten 100 points. Oh, wow. <laughs> but just I would since, have put Jason up. But just since you said, at least you said something with the Titans. So I give you, I give you some credit. So. I'll take it. On that note. Here's our theme song, though. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Come on. Cinema Slayers. Slayers. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we are doing another one of our monthly series of our off-script bonus episodes. Uh, with these, we are just more or less taking questions and topics and all this other stuff from the Cinefans and from our own brains, and we just talk about whatever we more or less feel like or 
whatever you guys want us to talk about. So with this, Heather was the responsible one and actually kind of aggregated slightly uh, what you guys have uh, asked us. And we're just going to kind of just go and see where it goes. All right, Heather. So since you, you know, were the responsible one, what's our first one? All right. So first question came in that, or one of the, one of the questions that came in is movies based on games are terrible, but games based on movies are usually terribler. (laughs) What games are the best and worst of that category? Don't say E.T. just because it's trendy to do so. You go first, Jason. Yeah, um, that's a, a good friend of mine, uh, Mason Prophet, and he's an, he's actually, video games are literally his life. He repairs arcade machines, and that's kind of his uh, business. And so I come over to his house from time to time, and of course we have conversations about games all the time and stuff like that. Him and his wife are really cool. So that's uh, some background on him. I actually know who the, the, the center fan is. So, but with this question, man, like there's a plethora of video games out there that are based on movies. And like it, it's funny because he's right like i can just think i mean even when you go back to just the regular nintendo it seemed like especially like in the mid 80s and 90s like or probably early 80s too like a lot of those 80s games got games total recall uh the terminator m- games terminated there was a terminated game there was a terminator 2 game i mean like <laughs> i think bill and ted's excellent adventure had a game wayne's world had a game i mean there are just so many like games that were based on movies and many of them are terrible but one that sticks out in my mind that was just i hated playing this game and i never beat it and it still irks me to this day, but there was a Who Framed Roger Rabbit game on the regular Nintendo. And man, this game was, it was terrible. Like, you you play as Eddie Valiant, and you're walking around, and you have to collect clues, and he's got this weird punch where, like, like you have an attack move, but it's weird, and it's like, if you hold the button, it's a stronger attack. But the way that he punches, like, you would think, okay, a punch move is just, you know, the guy balls his fist and just punches straight at the enemy. Like, normally, that's how a punch is. Like, in any fighting game, you've seen a punch before. But the way that they designed this punch, like, he would hop around on one foot, like, almost like he was on a pogo stick. And he would rear back his arm And, like, he would hop, 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 and then he'd just sling his arm forward. I have never seen anybody in the history of fighting or punching punch like this ever. It was, like, the stupidest thing ever. And it was so hard to hit enemies, and you're walking around. like It was a really annoying game. And, like, there are parts where it has maps of, like, 
like locations that are in the game and stuff like that. You don't ever really get to play as Roger Rabbit. He just walks around and follows you, and sometimes enemies can capture him. And if he gets captured, you know, because in, in the movie, they were trying to, you know, get Roger Rabbit. And, and there was part of the movie where Eddie Valiant, the detective, was trying to protect him. So in this game, if they, you know, there are weasel enemies and people that Judge Doom sends after you, that, that's kind of all based on the movie. And if those characters capture him then you have to start over or it's like losing a life and stuff like that. And like Roger Rabbit is so dumb. He walks into enemies like he's hard to protect, like he's absolutely stupid in the game. So yeah, it's like almost impossible to play and I hate it. So that is definitely one of the worst ones I could think of. Well, what, what didn't he also ask for a best Heather? Yes. Yeah, he did. I didn't know if I want you wanted to go or nah, just do go I need to do both. both. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and as far as a best one, now, now that's harder, man, because there are a lot of because the, the ones that are the best, they're like really good. But I, I guess I have to go with I, I guess I have to go to the N sixty four, and I think about Goldeneye, and I really think that for movies. For, for games based on movies, that has to be one of the most iconic and best ones they've ever done. Because, I mean, it was just such a fun first-person shooter game. And I'm not, and this is coming from somebody who I'm not really a fan, I would call myself, of first-person shooters. I play them. I tolerate them. There are some that are fun, you know, from Doom to Halo and everything else that has come out over the years. But and there and I have a good time with them. I like mo- they're fun multiplayer games. But Goldeneye, man, there was just something about get getting off from school and you know gathering with my friends um, from the neighborhood or whatever, and and just taking those four N sixty four controllers and just playing on that four player split screen and just going at it on GoldenEye and all the different weapons. And it was cool because they had characters from uh, like Odd Job and stuff. Like it, it really covered like at just about every era of James Bond games, there were villains there. There were villains from the game that you could select and characters. And it was cool. And it was one of the first like first person shooter games I played where like the the CPU was really good in that game, like like uh, like all the computer AI, um, because like enemies would shoot you and then duck behind corners. It was one of the first like first person shooter games I played like that, where you're running through with James Bond and and this is the uh, oh my god, who played James Bond in this movie? I know his name, Pierce Brosnan. Um, Pierce Brosnan, yes, yes. Um, he that's who you're playing as so you're running through these corridors and there's all these different stages and a lot of them are from the movie and it was just a lot of fun like the 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 one player campaign was a lot of fun man and the enemies were tough and would throw grenades and duck behind corners and like it was just really it was very interactive it was very immersive so yeah i i do think that is one of the best first person shooters that I probably played in my life was that. So, and the, and since then 
there have been sequels to GoldenEye. There's there's been other iterations of the game. So it was kind of one of those games that it was so good it had sequels. So I think that 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 has to be considered for one of the best. And then just to give a runner up, uh, Spider Man, the movie, the game, the 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 Spider Man two game. Um, that and I want to say this was either PlayStation One or Two. Probably I think it was PlayStation Two. Um, that was a very fun game, man. L- like it was very good. It followed the movie, and it was one of the um like first Spider Man games where basically you've got the city of New York and you could web sling around and stuff like that. And it wasn't as immersive as like some of the later Spider Man games, like the one that came out a few years ago and the Miles Morales game that's out now, not as immersive as those, but if anything was the blueprint, it was this game. And Tobey Maguire and Alfred Molina, a lot of them came on to do the voice work for it. So, so Spider-Man sounded just like he did in the movie and, and they had music from the game. It was just a very well done Spider-Man game, probably one of the best Spider-Man video games you could play. So yeah, that'll be my honorable mention. Yeah, for me, I mean, as far as worse go, there's so many. I mean, like Justin said, that used to be a major thing that they would do, which I am so glad they have stopped doing that. If you've noticed, they have stopped making video game adaptations. Yeah. And (laughs) we are all just that much better for it. As far as worse go, though, I want to say it's Batman Forever. On like Super Nintendo or something like that. Oh. Was like downright impossible. Like there's this one section you get to. And it's like. Use the grappling hook to get to the next level. But like you can grappling hook everywhere. And you get nowhere. Like you can't actually get up to the next level. I'm I'm sure you can. But I never. I just. You would get just so frustrated. Because it's like it wanted it in the one specific area. You know what I mean? And it's just like eternally frustrating. And yeah. And so I just, you would like give up and, you know, just go play something else. Um, as far as bests go though, one of them that I absolutely love that I don't know too many people that have played it, but uh, I absolutely love the Ghostbusters 2 game for Game Boy. That was one of my favorite fucking Game Boy games. I loved it um so much so that i have been like looking for a copy except i just don't want to pay like 90 dollars for a game without a box um but yeah i love ghostbusters 2 on game boy and another one i love is uh like essentially the super star wars games on super nintendo like Super Star those Wars and Super Empire Strikes Back and Super Return of the Jedi. I loved those games. They do not follow the story at all. Like, that first game, you're like slaughtering Jawas as like Luke Skywalker with a lightsaber. But they were just weirdly fucking fun. I loved those games. Like, I would just rent them all the time from uh cox video 
because you could do the five day game rentals and stuff like that. Man, I'd rent those all the time and play them. I loved those games so much. So those would be mine. Ooh, I guess an honorable mention for me. Well, not directly made from a movie, but like made from movie adjacent is Star Wars Empire or uh, fuck Shadows of the Empire. Oh, that was badass. I know it's technically based on a book, but like the book is based off the movies. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's adjacent, you know? Yeah. So I really like that game too. Yeah. That was a badass game, man. I remember some of the stages like being in Hoth and stuff like that and having to pilot the the ship and wrap the cables around the walkers and stuff. It, it it was that was a that was a fun game, man. That was that was a lot of fun. Back in the day on the computer, one of the few games I had that used a joystick was like Star Wars Rebel Squadron, I believe. It was like an X Wing flight simulator type of game way back in the day. And that was a really fun game too. So yeah. Those are mine. I don't know why a lot of the games I like are Star Wars games, but it is what it is. All right, Heather, what's the next one? Unless, I mean, unless you have one. I just remember when we started, before we recorded, you were saying you wouldn't really have something for this. <laughs> unless you do. Yeah, if my... You do, go ahead. My, my limited video game playing keeps me from really having an answer for this, because, I mean... The handful of games I did play were not based on movies. I do remember doing, or I know my brother and I had this game. It was a Star Wars game back in the day, but I don't remember it well enough to know if it was like a good or bad version of it. <laughs> I just remember. What system? Um, it was either the, no, not the Nintendo 64. It was before that. Um, just a Nintendo, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> it was really old. <laughs> what was before the N64? Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo. It might have been that. But Ooh. I just remember... What? I was just going to say that might be like one of the Star Wars games I was talking about. Well, I, the, only, the only part of the game I remember is having to try to fly the spaceship through space and all the stuff coming at you, and I was terrible at navigating the ship. <laughs> So that's the only thing I remember about it. And you had to like shoot the little lasers to try and kill the things before they got to you. Um, that's the only thing I remember about it though. I like how it's kill the things. Not <laughs> shoot the TIE fighters or anything like that. Nope. Kill the things. <laughs> kill the things that are coming. Yes. Um, but that's that's the extent of what I remember from the game. I don't know if that gives you enough to know if that was one of yours. But <laughs> that's about all I got for that. No, okay. man, well. I bet anything I played it, though, because because there were a lot of like popular Super Nintendo Star Wars games. I, I know that there was one and this and this could be what Sterling already mentioned. But the, the ones that were like platforming where you kind of run and jump and you can shoot. And then sometimes you were in a ship, but sometimes you were walking. The, those like the ones that Sterling's talking about, I, I imagine it's probably one of those. I, I, I bet anything. Um, yeah, because I even remember in Super Star so. Wars, you have like 
the second level is like a land speeder level, like where you're flying around a land, land speeder over the desert to get to the Jawa, mm -hmm. like sand crawler. Yes, I do vaguely remember that. So I think that might have been it. Yeah, I guess you're right, Sterling. There are a lot of good Star Wars games. There were some good Star Wars arcade games. Like I think about that one that's you, you it's popular. You see it everywhere, but where you've got kind of like your it's almost like you're in a cockpit almost and then it you fly around and there's the hop level, then there's the level where you get to sword fight with Darth Vader. That's a fun game. And I see it in arcades all the time, you know. Like, like there, there are some, like, popular Star Wars games that have lasted over the years. So, they, 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 they've had some stinkers, but a lot of them, yeah, are enjoyable. And then the RPGs, Knights of the Old Republic, is a good RPG game. Um, you know, I've never played any of the newer stuff, but the ones that had that, that. Jedi or that person and you could choose to either be part of the Sith or you Isn't could that like Force uh, Unleashed. Yes, Force Unleashed. I heard that that was a great game too. I never played that, but uh I heard it was a great game. So yeah, man, they've they they got a reputation for making some quality games with the Star Wars franchise. Now, I don't really know if this counts because it's not a movie, but based off of a show, the Pokemon game, I remember playing that and really enjoying it. <laughs> that was kind of the other way around, though. Technically, the games came first. Oh, did they? Yeah. Game was before the show? Oh. Yeah. Whoops. Never mind, then. But that was a, a really fun game. But I thought for some reason the show was first. No. No, the, the, the show's based on the games. Um, oh, okay. And with that, you want to hear like a controversial opinion about that? All like this type of stuff? Yeah. Digimon's better than Pokemon. Oh! Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't kill us. Man, I love, us. dude, I love Digimon, dude. I was a huge Digimon, like, freak back in the day. Really? Oh, yeah, I loved it. Hmm. Okay. Come on, man. They were digital monsters that turn into champions to save the digital world. <laughs> that that was a decent song. Digital monsters, Digimon are the champions. Digimon, <laughs> digital monsters, Digimon are the champions. Change <laughs> I, into I knew digital with champions it. to save the digital world. <laughs> All right, you know what, Justin? I'm going to retroactively now give you a point because you did the voice change when you did Digital World. You did it right. <laughs> Hell yes. You did it right. I, I commend you on that. That was a catchy tune. I remember that one. Man, that's infinitely better than Pokemon. Yeah, I agree. I do think that's here. Pokemon. <laughs> Man, I was, but that I, does kind of like segue... That segues into another question we got, unless you guys had more on this first. No, nah, we were probably just going to be arguing about the song for a while, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could. <laughs> um, so a question that came in from Joel was, um, looking, f uh, okay, so Pokemon and sports cards have blown up in the last year. 
Do any of you still collect or have begun collecting again? What is your favorite Pokemon set? I can definitely say that I have not collected. (laughs) I do remember having Pokemon cards back in like uh, junior high when I think they first came out. Um, And I had a, a decent amount of them, but, you know, I kind of stopped caring after a while. (laughs) I just like let my brother have all of my cards, but no, I can't say that I have collected again. Um, Yeah, that's all of, all of my answers are from a childhood that I have vague remembrances of. (laughs) I mean, for me, uh, I, I used to play Pokemon way back in the day when it came out. I did have a Charizard, um, but not a hollow foil one. And it was not also was not first edition. So it was from the first set, just not first edition. So it wouldn't have been worth anything nowadays. Um, I don't know. I, and like I've said before, I, I mainly played magic. That was my thing is I played magic, the gathering. I play, I liked playing that more than Pokemon. So I did use to collect that. Uh, my big card back in the day was I had an Ice Age Jester's Cap, which back in the day was worth a good, decent amount of money for a card. Um, nowadays, it's not. Because now with the internet, card prices are vastly different. Because like back in the day, you were severely limited on supply. You know, if you wanted a Jester's Cap... You either had to buy a bunch of Ice Age packs and hope you got one or hope your local game shop got one. You know what I mean? So supply was very limited. And then, you know, the local game shop I bought from back in the day, they they used Scry for their pricing. And so that card was absurdly expensive. It's funny, like now, you can get that card for like five, six bucks. Just because these places have them now. So, like, the price on it's vastly dropped. Um, But, yeah, I used to do that. And I used to collect comics. That was my big thing, is I collected comics. Uh, I never really collected sports cards. Uh, I did collect Marvel uh, trading cards, though. The Marvel uh, Fleer cards. I had the 1995 Fleer set. I had all of them. That took me so long to get all those fuckers. But I did. I got them all, including, like, the Spring Break and the Metal... Well, then the 1996 player where you had your metal series and all this other stuff. I had all those. Like, I had all of them. And then when I went to the Navy, they all disappeared. So that really sucks. But yeah, that's really what I collected back in the day. And now, now I don't even collect any of that shit anymore. Like, I lost uh, all my comics in a flood. And I had a collection that was easily like $5,500. I had every issue of Moon Knight printed from 1980 till at this time was like, what, 2007? Like, I had every single issue ever made of his. I had the issue of Daredevil where Bullseye kills Elektra. I had, like, a good amount of comics. I had I had uh, the issue of X-Men, the original issue of X-Men, not the first, but the one, the, the first time in the comics where they explained how Professor X lost the use of his legs. I want to say that was Uncanny X-Men 14, I believe. It was like 14 or 16. It was like when comics were 10 cents. Like, I had that fucker. Um, and all this shit. And, 
yeah, I lost it all. And so now I collect it all digitally. All the comics I read now, I do digital just because if my iPad breaks, if I get a new iPad, guess what? All my comics are back. Uh, same with magic. I play magic online now, mainly because like I play a token deck like with goblins. So it's a lot of goblin tokens and I don't want to keep track of and do all the fucking math. Uh, the game does it automatically for me and it's beautiful. So yeah, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I just, I now do everything uh, digitally, but I know trading cards have become a digital thing. Now they're starting to do digital versions of trading cards and stuff like that. And it's a really interesting idea. Hmm. I just don't know if I would be willing to do something like that. I never heard of that. That's interesting. Digital trading cards. That sounds cool. I'm going to have to look that up and yeah. Like when you buy See it, that's like all you, about you get the rights to the card and you can sell it or trade it or anything like that. Like it is a card, but like you own the card digitally. It's just weird, but, and that's mainly sports cards that are doing that right now. Jason. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Unless you don't have anything, but <laughs> I got nothing. No, no, I, I was going to say, I just thought, I just thought more was coming and I didn't want to cut him off. And I was like, and then nothing came. Uh, but, but <laughs> no, to answer this question, Joel, uh, I, I, well, really, man, I'm just barely getting into like the, the Pokemon stuff, man. Like I, I never collected any cards. The only cards I have, but I actually do have some cards. And this is funny. I mean, I'm sure they're worthless, but whenever I went to see the Detective Pikachu movie, I was given a set of Pokemon cards. It was kind of just something that they gave you to just kind of give you, I guess, that experience of having Pokemon cards and stuff like that. And, you know, I opened it up and looked at them and you know, they had little stats on them. And I think I got like uh, a mime and a Pikachu. But, you know, I, I didn't know much about Pokemon. So I didn't even know what I was looking at to appreciate it. But I mean, they were cool looking cards and everything like that. I'm sure they're like worthless and not worth anything. They were just promotional stuff. But yeah, so I guess technically I do have two Pokemon cards. But as far as what you're talking about, like, Playing the game competitive, like the card game competitively or collecting cards and stuff like that. I do not know about that world, but you would be happy to know that I am just now playing uh, Pokemon Blue, which was the original Game Boy Pokemon, the one that kind of started the whole craze. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I am actually playing through that game, and I it's been some. I mean, it's been a few weeks now. I, I've just been, it's been busy, man. I haven't had a chance to like play, play like I want to. But in the time that I have spent with it, I do like it. It's fun collecting all the Pokemon and seeing the different types and what they do and stuff like that. So if collecting the cards is anything like playing the game, I imagine it's fun for people. And I imagine that, you know, uh, people love that sort of stuff so i can't talk much to that but i was a collector of sports cards when i was little and and sterling i collected marvel cards too i had some of the flare cards and i had 
a bunch of different Marvel cards. And like I had these and I don't remember the the brand name. And who knows? It might have been Fleer, but I have these Marvel cards that I really like because it would have a character and then on the back it would have stats for them. And it would say what their intelligence was, what their power, you know, power or strength, I guess, um, speed, durability, you know, it would it, it would just have these stats for every comic book character. And I remember my friends and I, we we would look at the back of those and go, oh, like, look how, look at Hulk's stats and look how he compares to Wolverine. And we would talk about who would beat who based on those stats and stuff. So it was, you know, we would have fun conversations over those cards. And I can't remember the brand, but, 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 but I had some comic book cards. But yeah, uh, baseball cards were... Which is weird because I am like not really a baseball fan now, but I, I mean I, enjoy, I I would enjoy watching baseball live, but I can't watch it on TV, you know, unless it's something like the World Series or something like if it's a pivotal game, maybe. But I'm not the biggest fan of baseball, but I did collect a lot of cards. I remember I had like Ken Griffey Jr. cards and Nolan Ryan cards and. Like a lot of the big ones, uh, I, I want to say I had a big herd Frank Thomas. Like I, I had a, I had quite a few uh, baseball cards as well as basketball cards. Um, um, but but I was more into basketball than I was baseball. So like you know my basketball cards were really special to me because I had you know the, the, the by, back then you know Jordan cards were. A dime a dozen. So I had all these different Michael Jordan cards, one of him dunking, one of him when he played in this finals, or one in him of game one when he scored 60 points. You know, I had, you know, they had different cards that plotted different moments in Michael Jordan's career. But man, I had other people, Charles Barkley, David Robinson. I I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, like I had a bunch of, um sports cards so yeah that was probably the extent of my collecting but and and maybe if i kept up with it who knows what my collection would be now but it was just kind of one of those things that i just kind of grew out of and now i think those cards are in probably a storage somewhere with just a bunch of stuff that i don't have room for but yeah that that is probably the extent of my card collecting okay Anything else before we go to the next question? Nah. Uh, I'll, all I'll say is, yes, Justin, those were Marvel, Marvel Fleer cards that had the stats on the back. Oh, okay, so it was them. Okay, cool, cool. I dude, I was addicted to that, dude. Where you give like a little synopsis of the character and then it has all the little stats and shit. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so each of you actually got a question from somebody um, that's just specifically to you. So, Justin, you got a question from Kayla that asked, why do you hate repo? <laughs> yeah, Justin, <laughs> why do you hate the genetic opera? It's an opera. It's genetic. It's genetic. <laughs> it's repo. <laughs> Oh my God, the genetic opera. And well, also, I want to take credit for the, being the one that made you watch that movie to begin with because I'm the one that bought it on Blu-ray and made everybody watch it. So, 
Kayla, you're welcome for me being the one that introduced Justin to this to begin with. <laughs> yeah, and my goodness, man. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen that, and I, I don't know um, how I would feel on a rewatch, but man, I just remember this being so hard to get through. And it's funny because like, I'm somebody who enjoys musicals. It's not like I'm that person who's like not a musical person or anything like that. But this, it was supposed to be kind of like musical horror. Um, I mean, is this in the spirit of something like a Rocky Horror Picture Show? I mean, you might be better able to answer something like that, Sterling, but where it's just real abstract and there's a lot of yelling and people in vivid costumes and makeup and just not a lot of senses made of the story. Is that, is that, I mean, is Rocky Horror kind of like that? I don't know. I cult classic type that. stuff. I can see it because it's okay. not necessarily that it's the same in that way. Cause this is really does trying to be more horror, like at least more slasher esque, but yeah, like Rocky Horror before it, in a weird way, they are both like B movies turned into musicals. While Rocky Horror plays on sex and sexuality and all, all that stuff more so. And then you have this where it, like I said, it's playing more on violence and gore and stuff like that. But they very much are B movies turned into musicals. Okay. So I guess I wasn't off base with that because yeah, that, that was kind of just some of the vibes I had with it. Um, but yeah, Except like, like one you of said, it, good. <laughs> yeah. What uh, did you say? Yeah. I said, except one of those is good. Oh, and by that, I mean, repo. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I'm, I didn't mean that. Of course, Rocky <laughs> horror is the better one. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Rocky Horror just is like a, you know, that that's a cult classic, you know, or it may just be a classic in general. I mean, I, I don't know too many people that say they don't like Rocky Horror Picture I think it's Show, both. but um, I think it's both. I think yeah. it's been cult classic for so long. It is classic now. It's just straight up classic. You know what yeah. I mean? Because I think, yeah, and like, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, because that was like the movie that always makes me think of Halloween is Rocky Horror Picture Show, because back in the day, VH1 used to play it every Halloween. And yeah, like I was introduced to this by my parents, like more specifically by my mom, which is very weird because my mom's a very, 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 very conservative. And then you have this movie. Which, also, can we give Rocky Horror credit for being so ahead of the time? Like, really? Yeah. But, like, it's just one of those things, though, that, like, there's a few movie theaters up here, like the Hollywood Palms and the uh, Hollywood Boulevard theaters, that, at least before the pandemic and stuff like that, every Saturday night at midnight, they would show Rocky Horror. And, like, they would sell, like, $2 popcorn it was like stale leftover fucking popcorn throughout the day and shit like that. But the whole point was to like throw it around and like sing the songs and do all the shit. You know what I mean? Like that's what it's for. You're supposed to dress up and do all the bullshit. You know, that's what they did. And yeah, 
So, I mean, it's, it, it transcended. It's one of the few movies that transcended cult classic into classic. I was trying to think of why I was going there, but yes, that's why. Do you think Hamilton's going to be like that a little bit? Well, yeah, but that's just because it is still an actual Broadway play. I mean, I know technically Rocky Horror is also a play, but like, you know, Broadway does that. Even if you don't have, even if you don't know it outside of Broadway, there's still a lot of plays that are like classic Broadway plays. I mean, Cats is a classic Broadway play. It's a shitty movie. For all I know, it's a shitty play too. Like I said, I've never seen it, but... (laughs) I mean, it's a Broadway classic. Les Mis is a Broadway like style classic. Uh, Rent, Wicked, um, even Book of Mormon. Those are kind of classics now. I mean, I'm not saying that that's it. Of course, there's more. There's like Oklahoma and all those other fucking plays. But I'm just talking about the ones that people care about now. Um, Phantom of the Opera. That's another one. Hairspray. That's kind of up there. Ooh, Lion King. Lion King's a very big play. You can say that's a cl- Broadway classic at this point. I mean, it's just one of those things that, yeah, it's all over the place, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and I guess, like, even though Repo did give me some of those vibes, I mean, I will admit maybe some things about Repo. Uh, it, it, It did seem ambitious to me. Like, it did seem like... Like they were unapologetically trying to be violent and gory and stuff like that. It did sort of feel like a movie that that wanted to express itself a certain way. And it was going to do that, you know, no no matter. It was kind of one of those, no matter what you thought, you know, I don't care what you think. I'm here type of movies. It definitely feels it had that vibe to it. But. Uh, really, man, when I think about it, I think it's just it lacks wit. It lacked any substance, really. The plot was minimal. You know, it, it's it's simple, but it was just so like minuscule. I don't remember nothing t- to me about it really stood out. And then some of the music, you know, uh, even uh, now a lot of them when I watched the movie, I don't think a lot of those people were like trained singers and stuff like that, right? I don't think they were, and you could tell. Most of them, yeah, weren't. <laughs> uh, the the blind lady was. Okay. Yeah, she's an opera singer. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, you could tell. So, um, on some of those singing numbers, but some of the numbers were fun. You know, I could see maybe people jam into some of that stuff or jam into some of those songs and stuff like that. But I just think overall as a movie though, it just didn't have, and you know, and this was me coming off of seeing some stuff like Sweeney Todd and stuff like that. Like I've just seen a better movie that does these things. Like to me, Sweeney Todd and Sweeney Todd is kind of, you know, it's one of those, I guess, classic, like, musicals i guess you could say it's in there it's one of those like memorable like iconic musicals so maybe this is apples to oranges but but i think about that movie and it's like okay that movie has gore it has some of those slasher elements to it i mean basically that's what the the demon barber was you know 
it has some of the 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 dark elements and stuff to it, but it was witty, like the humor. It, it was smart, like the script had some twists and turns, and it it had some dynamic performances, more dynamic than what I guess Repo had to work with with the lower budget and cast and stuff like that, you know. So, like I said, so maybe some of it is apples to oranges, but. To me, something like that was so enjoyable. You know, I, I just enjoyed the hell out of Sweeney Todd. And that was the first time I'd ever heard of it. I didn't know going into the film that it was like this psychotic thing and all this stuff. I didn't know any of that. But I walked out going, wow, that was amazing. I want to know more about this. Repo. I remember one of our friends, our good, uh, our good friend, and our former colleague on here, Devin. I re- I remember him being so beaten down by Repo that he walked out angry. I remember he told his girlfriend, he at the time now is his <laughs> wife. I just remember him going, "Let's go," and he just couldn't bear the rest of the movie. Like he got through like forty five minutes <laughs> of it, and he just couldn't take anymore. And we were like, where are you going, man? You got to finish it. And he left. They left. And he was like legit angry. Like he left like somebody had said something (laughs) like about him or something or like attacked his character or something like that. Like he left like he had just suffered some traumatic event. Like he was (laughs) upset. So, yeah. Um we we we've never been fan, fans of this uh of this movie and i think it's funny like the reason why kayla's asking me this question is because uh, one time i think uh i was in amarillo probably for a wrestling show or or um maybe to visit uh my, my good friend ryan and their and kate and um kayla their boyfriend and girlfriend so that so we would talk you know, I would get to talk to her sometimes and, and, and she's a good friend of mine too now, but we bonded over musicals because she is a big fan of musicals and everything. And we talked about Rocky horror and we were going down the list and we enjoyed the same musicals. And I was like, well, have you seen, she was like, have you seen Rocky horror? I was like, yeah, Rocky horror is tight. And then I was like, have you seen Sweeney Todd? She was like, oh yeah, I love Sweeney Todd. You know, we're going down the list of these musicals. And then, and then she said Repo. And she was like, oh, and what about Repo, the genetic opera? And I was like, okay, stop. You know, this was a fun conversation until you brought that up. And, like, <laughs> I just completely destroyed Repo. And she was so, like, shocked. Like, like she was shocked that I just did not have the the the, the same opinion of her as Repo. So... And that was years ago. And I guess she never forgot about that conversation. So that's why she had to hit me with this now and explain myself on the podcast. But yeah, we were having a great conversation until Repo got involved, you know. So yeah, just a little background <laughs> on why this question was asked. It was a quite hilarious uh, experience whenever we started trying to started kind of disagreeing on Repo, man. I mean, I saw Repo once, and it is a super dark, like, messed up creep fest, is what it is. Um, yeah, it's definitely an acquired 
taste or just a specific taste of movie and musical. Um, Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it's a heavy one too. Like, it's just, it's a lot to take in. There's a lot going on. Not a lot of it is on the lighter side of things. So I, I get it. I think the thing that I enjoyed about it is the fact that you get to see the little girl from Spy Kids singing away and she's very good. (laughs) And I thought that was cool. I was like, I had never seen her in anything else until this movie repo and i was like wait that's that girl from spy kids (laughs) and then um the dad is the guy from buffy he's uh buffy's like mentor or whatever from the tv show and i was just like it's more just me like finding these people that i had seen in other things that i'm like oh they i mean and not to say that they're all like perfect singers but they had decent enough voices that i just didn't really expect it um and then the guy who played the grave robber in the movie is actually the guy who wrote this movie. So oh. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool to just kind of like see him and like his version of what he thought that that character should be. Cause, and I think that, that might be why he was probably the most standout character to me. And it might be just because he had that vision of what he wanted that character to be. And so he played it and he did a, a decent job at it. Um, still a creepy character, <laughs> but he was more standout than some of the others. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I can really say about it, other than the fact that it's just a real disturbing, creepy musical. I, I can't really say, like, I liked it, but it was something that I can at least say I had experienced. So if it comes up in conversation like you did with your friend, I can be like, yep, I have actually seen that movie. <laughs> I think a way to consolidate a lot of what Justin was saying, though, is unlike a lot of musicals, to me, Repo lacks charm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. And I mean, I think all of us here have only seen it once. Um, yeah, for me, for sure. But I don't remember the music being as cohesive as like a lot of musicals. Like a lot of musicals, characters will have uh, like melodic or musical themes to them and stuff like that. And so it, it ties the music together throughout the movie with different characters and stuff like that. Like that's like the hallmark of really iconic musicals is doing a lot of that stuff. And, you know, because they do it in a way to where like a casual observer won't notice, but like won't actively notice you subconsciously do. Like you'll start hearing like a melodic melodic theme and you'll be like, oh, this character's singing. You know what I mean? Like it'll just bring you to that without you knowing it. Or this character's about to sing or something, you know? Like it brings those to those things. Or they'll have like those common lines that kind of go through stuff. Like in Hamilton where he kind of constantly says like, uh, I'm not going to throw away my shot and stuff like that. Mm. Like little things like that. Or like Aaron Burr in that saying, wait for it, you know? And so it's like little things like that that just kind of go through like a musical and stuff. And, you know, that's like the tell of like a great musical and stuff like that. I don't really remember that being a lot in Repo. Of course, part of it's also because I only saw it once. I don't know, but I don't remember yeah. thinking that. You know what I mean? I don't remember feeling no, like I, there I was think a lot that's of true. musical common air, like, uh, 
like continuity throughout it and stuff like that. But like I said, it lacks charm. You know, it doesn't have that aspect of like, you know, you watch something like a Sweeney Todd and it's violent also, especially if you watch the movie, it's a violent movie, but there is a certain element of charm. Like there are those elements of dark, morbid humor done in song in that play that do give it an element of charm. You know, like when Sweeney and, oh, what's her name? The Baker lady are like singing their song about what different people would taste like in pies. You know? Yeah. That's incredibly morbid, but also (laughs) terribly charming. Because it's done in a very tongue-in-cheek way. You know what I mean? Yes, they do mean yeah. it. it. Within the context of the play, they do mean it. But there's a humor to it, you know? And so it kind of works. Where Repo, I don't really remember being that. Except when they were trying to do the songs that were like, oh, this is our humorous song. And it falls flat. You know? So it just I never agree with that. really yeah. lands. Like when it does try to have that wit and that charm and that humor, it lands flat. So it, it's, it's hard to really latch on to, you know, outside of the fact that it's that whole, there's that element of just B movie garbageness to it that some people do find charming. I mean, at times I do find it charming, but it's at times, you know, I'm, I absolutely love it in like Willie's Wonderland. I don't necessarily think it's worth anything in repo. You know what I mean? So that's what I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I actually get that. Yeah. I I I, to, I agree with that. Like what you said made a lot of sense, and maybe that's kind of what I was searching for. Even when I was talking about the wit and everything, yeah, it it definitely doesn't have a sense of charm. And like you said, when I think about the characters and everything, there was nobody I really latched onto or found like so memorable. I would want to see that film again and like you said i've only seen it once and that was enough you know (laughs) right i mean i have seen the movie zombie strippers more than i have seen that and that's just because i've seen zombie strippers twice (laughs) but yeah and that's that's what i'm talking about like zombie strippers it's it's a B movie. It's full of B movie garbage. But there's a slight wit to it because it doesn't take itself seriously. You know, it's very much about the, that humor horror and it works. Yeah, I've seen The Covenant more times than Repo. And you're going to have to watch The Covenant again when we get to that. Yeah, I know. Don't remind me. But at <laughs> least there was that memorable line, I'm going to make you my weage. Wasn't that Sebastian Stan that said that? Sebastian Stan is in that movie? Yeah. He's the main bad guy. Uh, Spoiler alert for that fucking movie. Yeah. He's in that movie. Oh my gosh. 
the winter I love soldier me some himself. Sebastian Stan, but that's <laughs> that's funny. Wow. Anyways, okay. Um, any more thoughts on repo, Justin? No. <laughs> Please, no more. Please, um, no more. <laughs> so our good friend Kurt, he brought in a question for Sterling, which was, um, he wants to know um, stories about your tattoos, such as what's your favorite one, perhaps. Man, I don't have a favorite. What kind of fucking question is that? You ask somebody to pick a favorite child? What, how the fuck do you like start with that? <laughs> um, I don't really have a story about most of my tattoos. Uh, I kind of just get things I like. Uh, that's really kind of it. I mean, I've got like the Mortal Kombat dragon on one shoulder. I've got the Reaver or Lionheart from Final Fantasy VIII on my other shoulder. I've got my high school nickname in the middle of my back. I've got, and I won't say what that is. That's the one I kind of want to get covered, but it's very hard. Um, I've got my favorite uh, line from the musical Rent on my lower back. I've got a cat climbing on the top of my head at the moment. Um, <laughs> not a tattoo, just literally a cat climbing on the top of my head. Uh, I've got what? I've got the Tennessee Titans flaming thumbtack logo on my chest. I've got Kelly Clarkson's autograph on my chest. That might be one of my favorites. It's up there. Uh, I mean, I've got a Mario feather uh, behind my left ear for my ex-wife. Um, I've got the Whataburger W on the like right side of my neck because it's fairly big. Uh, let's see. What else? I'm trying to think of all my tattoos. It's kind of hard to go through. Uh, so like what on my left arm? On the outside of my left arm, I've got the devil. On the inside of my left arm, I've got a zombified antichrist Jesus. On my uh, left forearm, I've got the dark mark from Harry Potter. On my right arm, I've got an abstract Alex Gray representation type of thing, version of God. On the outside of my right arm, I've got... Uh, a Harry Potter Patronus tattoo on my right forearm. I think that covers all those. Okay. And then, so then on my leg, then all the rest of my tattoos are on my right leg. I've got, what I've got my zombie shark on my thigh. I've got Gur from Invader Zim on my right calf. And then I've got various South Park characters tattooed around my right ankle. Um, and it's solely because I'm like, oh, that'd be cool, whatever. And then I get them done. Like, that's literally the, pretty much a lot of the thought I put into my tattoos. Uh, yeah, that's about it. That's the explanation of my tattoos. I'm just like, that's kind of cool, I guess. Let's do it. So there's the cool. in-depth answer. And I'm the only so, one with tattoos, go, so Kurt. it's not like you guys can contribute to that. Well, I can contribute Actually, to the ones on you. Oh, go ahead, Heather. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have any tattoos. I'm just kidding. Oh. Yeah, I don't have any either. Yet. I just haven't been inspired, man. I just don't know what to get. But See, and that's where I look out, is I don't really need inspiration other than, oh, that'd look cool. 
You know what I mean? I don't have really <laughs> yeah. any deeper meaning on like of most of my tattoos. Like I've kind of got a theme going on each arm. Like my left arm is black and gray tattoos and they're kind of more oriented towards like evil things. And the stuff on my left arm is going to be like it, what it is all color, more colorful, but it's going to be more oriented towards like good things. But then outside of that, like I don't have any specific things, you know what I mean? Like I like the Titans, so I have their logo tattooed on my chest. I like Kelly Clarkson and I got her autograph on my chest and went and got it tattooed on my chest. Uh, I mean, I like South Park back in the day, so I got South Park characters. Um, I like the idea of a voodoo shark, so I got a voodoo shark tattooed on me. It's really just, I mean, I love the musical Rent, so I have my favorite line from that tattooed on me. So that's all it is. It's like, oh, I like it, so I got it. And then I don't even think about them, really. You know what I mean? I don't think about my tattoos all that often at this point. I'm just like, eh, it's cool. I'll live with it forever, I guess. Yeah, One that's where that I was... would be different because I would, I'm too indecisive <laughs> and I would be like debating it too much. Like, okay, I want to do it. Wait, should I? Wait, shouldn't I? Wait, is this the thing I want? Because this is permanent forever. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm too indecisive and I don't do well with needles. So that's why I currently do not have any. Yeah, I just, yeah, really, it's just like what we talked, well, like we, we, we said, you know. It's just, I, I feel like I could get one, but it's just, there just hasn't been that one thing where it's like, yes, I've, that's what it's going to be. So, yeah, that's as far as it's gone with me. But one thing I could say about your tattoos is that the Whataburger one, what was cool was when I came to visit Chicago and we did that, we got to do that live show with that podcast festival. And I remember when we went to watch that, Dallas Cowboys Chicago Bear game and you took me to that bar that was for Dallas Cowboy fans and the sheer amount of people that walked up to you and said something about Whataburger because they <laughs> saw that W tattoo and you know uh, uh, and since it was so many people who had lived in Texas or who had been to Texas and stuff like that I thought that that was actually pretty cool how many people recognized that and said something to you about it. So you just thought that was a cool story about one of them that I got to be That's a cool. part of. Yeah. One of the really funny things about that tattoo is the people up here that are like from the South or like from Texas that know Whataburger, like they get thrown off by it. And like, so they'll see it and they'll be like, Oh, is that a, Wonder Woman tattoo because the Wonder Woman logo from the DC movies looks a lot like it. And I'll be like, oh no, it's Whataburger. And that like that's when it clicks. Like they just automatically assume since I'm up here and I have it tattooed on me that that's not what it is. Because they just don't, I guess, picture me being from Texas. So it's funny when it catches people off guard when they know it, but then they talk themselves out of that's what it is. Yeah. But yeah, that's the story of my tattoo. Zuh. I don't know why I said singular tattoos. Cool. All right. Um, next question is 
Let's find it here. It is from Jorge, which is, should movie reboots stick completely to source material or should they be free to have their own spin on source material? Some movies that got flack for being different, I ended up enjoying a lot, such as Power Rangers 2017 and Star Trek 2009. Um, I mean, you go ahead, Justin, since the last question was just geared towards me. Um, I, I think, I mean, I think both can work, I guess, right? Like, I think it just depends on kind of, it, it really just depends on the talent, the, the, the director, the cast, and who's writing this story. I, I think it just all kind of depends on that because I've seen it work both ways. I've seen some where they try to stick to mainly to the source material and stuff like that, and it wind up being... You know, not it wasn't that bad. And then I've seen it where they kind of go outside of the box with a couple of the concepts and things like that. And it's also been excellent. I think about Mad Max, uh, or I, I don't know. I guess, I, well, I guess it would count as a reboot, right? Like it's a well, it's it's that's the thing is like it's where do you draw the line at what a reboot is? Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because is it a sequel? Yeah, you're right. Because is that a, would that be a sequel? Technically, according be... to the guy that wrote it and directed all of them, it's a sequel. I, I okay. mean, I'm just saying the guy that wrote it, it's a sequel to the other ones. So, okay, so I guess then that technically then that wouldn't count then, but 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 like his example of Star Trek. I liked the I liked the the newer Star Treks. I liked them. Um, I, I thought that Chris Pine was a good Captain Kirk. I mean, I liked those movies, so I didn't think that those were bad movies at all. I liked the 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 reboot Star Trek movies. Now, I'm not a diehard Star Trek fan, so I can't. You know, you could probably speak. A little better from that angle than that I could, Sterling. But I enjoyed the 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 uh, reboot Star Trek movies. I thought that that was fine. Uh, Spider Man has had some reboots, and if you look at like the Raimi Spider Man, like even if you just look at the first two, like like the ones that are generally considered good, if you look at the Raimi two Spider Man. And then you look at like the two amazing Spider-Man movies. And then you look at the two MCU <laughs> Spider-Man movies, Homecoming and Far From Home. Uh, you know, I think that is proof that reboots can work. And, and you know, even though I don't think the amazing Spider-Man movies are as good. I don't think they're bad movies. And those movies are an example of them following the source material pretty much to a T. I feel like the far from home movies, the ones with Tom Holland and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff in those that doesn't necessarily follow the, the original source material. I mean, there are some things don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot of it there, but 
you know, if 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 I was comparing the two sets of reboots, you know, one is way far, you know, the Far From Home and um, Homecoming are kind of way left field compared compared to how closely the amazing Spider-Man reboot movies follow the source material. But I think that the Holland movies are way better, you know? And you could argue they're not as comic accurate, but I think they're better movies. So I think that's a perfect example uh, that you don't always have to follow the the, the source material. I, I think with movies, man, it, it it you know we we can say we want all these things. We can say, well, should you do this? Should you do that? But ultimately, it comes back to the to the bare bones basics. Just give me a good story. Give me some characters that I'm going to care about. Make their stories compelling. Show me uh, stuff and make me care about it. Don't tell me a bunch of stuff. Like, like sometimes I feel like if you just follow those rules, even if you're not giving me the same thing I watched back in the 80s, back in the whatever the reboot is, I can still very much enjoy your story if you do those core things. So for me, that's what I would say. I think really it can be either or. It's more about who's doing it than it is about what's in it, if that makes sense. I mean, for me, it's really tough because of what you're considering source material. Like, you can reboot Spider-Man a billion times. And are you considering the first movies the source material? Or are you considering the comics the source material? When you're rebooting Star Trek, are you considering the TV show the source material? Or are you considering the movies the source material? I mean, it gets so loose with those types of definitions and stuff. I think why, like... Let's just go into the examples like Jasmine is bringing up. I think the reason why the Tom Holland movies work without being completely accurate to the source material is the fact that they feel like Spider-Man stories should feel taking place in the MCU. Like with the way the MCU plays with the source material they feel like that's the natural Spider-Man for those. You know what I mean? So they can deviate because they feel like Spider-Man should feel. Whereas like when you're looking at Star Trek, I am a huge Star Trek fan. Where I'm not a huge Star Trek fan is I don't necessarily really like the original series. As, you know, against the rules as that is for being a Star Trek fan. But I really like a lot of the movies from the original series cast. I mean, Wrath of Khan, I like the movie. I don't think it's the best Star or Star Trek movie, but I do like the movie. Um, I do like A Voyage Home. I like Search for Spock. Uh, all right, Final Frontier is garbage, and so is Motion Picture. Uh, St- Star Trek, the Motion Picture. But then my absolute favorite all-time Star Trek movie is Undiscovered Country, which is the sixth and final one with the original cast. I love it. I fucking love that movie. 
And then you get into like the next generation movies, which does technically the first one has Kirk with generations. And then you get into first contact, which is one of the best Star Trek movies. And then you get into uh, insurrection, which is just a dumpster fire of terribleness. And then you get into nemesis, which I like, it's a little different. They get, you know, it does kind of break some Star Trek rules, but I liked it. And then you get into like the new movies. I liked them. It's Star Wars or Star Trek for a new generation. One of the things I appreciate so much about those movies is those allowed people that weren't familiar with Star Trek or didn't want to get into Star Trek or had just no real desire to watch anything Star Trek. And if they watched those movies, a lot of times people liked them. I know, I know we talked about it after we watched the first one, Justin, where you were kind of completely unfamiliar with Star Trek. Like you knew who Captain Kirk was. You knew who Spock was. Like you had those general concepts down, but you had never really yeah. watched Star Trek, you know? And, but you liked that movie. And I loved that. I loved that these movies brought new people into Star Trek. You know, it gave a good base layer. Now, in Search for Darkness or whatever the fuck the movie's called, I don't remember, but I kind of hate the fact that it was kind of more or less a retelling of Wrath of Khan. But, you know, somebody like you might appreciate it because you've never really seen Wrath of Khan. So you appreciate it because you're kind of getting a lot of the same story. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. I loved Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek Beyond is amazing to me. And it's vastly different than anything Star Trek's done. But, oh my God, it's also got one scene that is the most Star Trek scene I've ever seen in my fucking life. Mainly because it's utterly absurd. And I love it. So to me, those feel like... I liked them because they still gave me the feelings that I had when I watched other Star Trek movies. I know a lot of diehard fans didn't, but they get different feelings from stuff. You know what I mean? But they felt right to me. They felt like a modern version of Star Trek to me. So I liked them. I mean, and then like, so bringing up some of the movies he brought up with uh, Power Rangers. I know Justin didn't like the new Power Rangers movie. I loved it. I thought it was great. Now, were there some problems? Yeah. But for the most part, I loved it. I thought it was a great new way of telling Power Rangers. And so... I thought it was fantastic. And does it deviate from the source material? Yes. Hella. Does it have a weird obsession with, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, Krispy Kreme donuts? Yes. Should it have done that? No. But I was fine with all the deviations it took. It still felt like dumb, awesome Power Rangers to me. So I appreciated it. That's where I think it comes from is, does it feel like the source material? I don't care if it's accurate or not. Just does it feel like it would be a version of the source material? Like uh, one that was kind of a soft reboot of stuff that also deviated a lot from source material, but to me felt like it is X-Men First Class. That was a reboot to the oh, X-Men great franchise. Example. It's horrible when it comes to continuity with the comics and the source material. It's just... It gives zero fucks about so much of that. But I'll be damned if that did not feel like a 1960s X-Men story. Like, it did. And I loved every second of it. Yeah. That's a great example. That was excellent. Um, 
that 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 really was good. And another one that I'm just now thinking of that I think deviates a lot, but still kind of gave you the like some of the feels and was still volatile and was still a very well told story. I think about the Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy, which might be yes. just one of the best reboots Ooh, ever, yes. ever. Like, man, I need to rewatch that shit probably immediately Those now that I think that. But fucking amazing. Yeah, that is one of the best reboots of anything ever. It might be the best reboot of anything ever. But I mean, another debate for another day. Do we need a reboot episode? Um, maybe, but, but, but oh man, maybe we do. But I know what I'm watching um, this weekend now. I'm, yeah, I'm probably going to be an <laughs> asshole to myself and watch all the original Planet of the Apes movies. Skip the Tim Burton one because fuck that movie. I feel like uh, you have a problem, Sterling. And then watch that trilogy. <laughs> I love the Planet of the Apes movies, though. I love them. I know, like everybody knows the first one. It's iconic. It's amazing. But the other and the other ones are shit. But oh, I love them. I still love those movies, and I own them all already. I don't even have to go buy anything. I own every single one of these movies we're talking about right now, and I love those shitty old ones. But Justin is absolutely right with this this new Planet of the Apes trilogy. It's an amazing reboot for one. It's in I I'm right there with you, Justin. It might be the best reboot ever. To me, also, yeah. it's right up there with best trilogies ever, because yes, those movies is. never dip in quality. They, in fact, get better as they go, yeah. and they never lull. They are just great fucking movies, and like it's it's one of those things where, yeah, it it fucks with the source material, but. I'll be damned if it was not a planet of apes. So hell it yeah. got the feeling. Right? Hell yeah. And it was better. And then you like compare that to the one that you're talking about, the reboot with Tim Burton. And, and if you think about it kind of to the, our, our Cine fans point, like when you look at the Tim Burton one, you could probably argue that that more closely followed the older movies, right? Because you yeah. had the apes were already there. Yeah. They were already talking. You had the humans, you know, that was more in line with the source material from the older movies. And then, um, dare I say the newer planet of the apes trilogy is an abandonment <laughs> almost from that, you know, in a lot of ways, but that trilogy is it's damn near perfect. And when I, when we say that we are not kidding, like it sounds like a joke. If you haven't seen the planet of the apes trilogy, it is damn near perfect. Like just the way yeah. the story develops and everything and the way it plays out. And that's a perfect example of you not having to follow the source material to a T you don't have to have the same kind of movie. You don't have to have the same kind of format, but you can still tell an amazing story and not closely follow what was put before. And for me, like in, in with this new trilogy, the funny thing is, is the weakest of all three of those movies is the first one. It is the weakest of all three. And it's still a good fucking 
movie. Like, yeah, it's one of those things. And it's, it's one of those things. Like I said, it never diminishes in quality. It starts at its lowest quality, which is still better than so many fucking movies you'll ever watch. Like, yeah, to me, if I was like giving rough scores just off at the top of my head, it'd be like the first one's like an 85. Then like the second one to me is a 95. Like it, it, to me, it goes up drastically. I love that second movie. But then like that third one's like a 97. It's just that touch better. It's like they took that formula that they've been building and they go, this is the perfect version of that formula now. It's just, it's so fucking good. And Andy Serkis, that's, to me, those movies is what made me fall in love with Andy Serkis. I know a lot of people love him as Golem and all this other shit, but, oh man, him in those movies playing the ape is amazing. Oh. Damn. Yeah, tell me you don't want to watch watch those movies, now. That's all I'm saying, man. Can we just stop? Can we just stop? Like, (laughs) this is over. Let's just take a plan the the trilogy break. (laughs) It'll be back, you know, in a week. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I mean... I mean, I don't... I just wanted to follow up real quick and just say one thing with Justin. You're absolutely right, Justin. It abandons the premise of the other movies because this really is about them becoming the Planet of the Apes. They're not humanoid yet. They are still very much just apes. And... You know, it does abandon that old formula, but it makes something incredibly special out of it. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry, I Heather, mean, you were saying. No, you're good. I, I don't really know if this is on anyone's radar, but for me, I thought that the Jumanji reboots were great. I think that the newer ones are better. Um, And they, I mean, they kind of stuck to the theme of what the movies were supposed to be. But I think they were funnier, they made it more modern, and they made it feel more like you were playing a game. But it was a video game instead of like the board game. And just the humor of it, the action of it, I think that the reboots of the Jumanji movies were better than the original. So for me, I would say you don't necessarily have to stick to that source material if you think that you can do a better job of making it something that a wider range of people are going to relate to. And like, if your if your point in the movie is entertainment value. So, and I think that that's kind of a prime example I think of off the top of my head, maybe just cause I've seen it more recently than some of the others. But, um, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of the point, like a, the point proven that you can take something and make it better with the reboot. It's kind of the exception and not the rule. A lot of times I feel like, but it is definitely possible, and any of the ones we've just mentioned are, I think, in that category of the reboots were better. So, no, that's a great point. Like, I, I do enjoy the Jumaji movies, and those movies to me are amazing because, on paper, and even when I saw the preview, I just I remember just being such a skeptic when I saw the, the previews for those movies and going. There is no way that this is going to work. Like, I just, you yeah. know, and it wasn't like I'm just the biggest fan of the old Jumanji and everything, but 
I was like, man, this is going to be such an uphill climb. They're updating it with video games, so it's not the board game. So for any of the original fans, you got to overcome that hurdle. And then it seemed like it was going completely comedic and everything like that. And like The Rock and Kevin Hart, like those were just not people I thought of when I thought of Jumanji, you know, like, you know, right. yes, good for a video game, but, but I just didn't know. And I really thought that that was going to bomb. And I don't know if I've ever been more wrong about how successful a movie has been, you know, now yeah. I think that they are among some of the rocks best movies because yeah. of the fact of, because it was such a turnaround from what the original was and the fact that it turned into a successful franchise now is just amazing to me. It still boggles my mind how it worked so well, but it did, you know, they're, they're great. reboots. Well, and this is why I sometimes hate the terminology used in the movie industry, because I want to say technically those are sequels because they do reference Alan from the first movie. But it's one of those things. Does it feel like a sequel at all? Not really. It's like Heather says, that motherfucker feels like a reboot. Because like, yeah. the, the game itself yeah. changes what it is. And I think that that's one of the things that was so smart about that first one. Is they went, oh, this game is so fucking malicious that when it realizes that board games aren't as popular as video games anymore, it becomes a fucking video game machine. Like, that's some evil-ass shit, Jumanji. But <laughs> it's it's one of those things that, like, they, it's just one of those things where it's like Justin said, on paper, dear fucking God, those movies shouldn't have worked. And then I'm not going to lie, after I watched that first one, my first thought was, what right does this movie have to be as good as it fucking was? It, yeah it shouldn't have been the audacity it, yeah it, it had the audacity to be good i'm like damn jumanji like and then i was like really kind of yeah. worried about the second one i was like it's going to be the same shit now were there elements of it that were the same yes but they did an amazing job in the second one of still making it fresh by having yeah. fucking the rock fucking play what danny devito essentially like what the fuck, man? Like, yeah, it, it was great. Yeah, so well. And Kevin Hart playing Danny Glover. Yeah, and fucking Jack <laughs> and was Black perfect. playing a fucking teenage girl. And oh yeah, he had to play somebody else, and then had to be happy that he was the teenage girl again. Wasn't that it? Right. Yeah. 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 It just weirdly fucking works. Yeah. They're just very entertaining and enjoyable and like they're fun, but just they've got they've got some meat in there too, you know. I I don't know. I I really like those movies. So yeah. I I would say as far as reboots go, those just come to mind for me. I just really enjoy them. Yeah. I mean and I and I'm I'm with you there too, Justin. I do think these are among the rock's best movies. Because A, he was still able to be the funny rock that people do like. But also, it, like I said, he was able to show different aspects of his comedy by playing a teenage boy, essentially, the first one, and then playing Danny DeVito in the second one. Like, it wasn't just the rock being funny. It was the rock acting 
and being funny. And he did an, an amazing job at both. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And like and like we said, just it's the perfect blend of rock stuff, right? Like when he can be that tough guy, but then still bring mix it and bring that comedy. That is like apex rock to me when it comes to just cinema. Well, really, really in wrestling too, really. But um, but that's the best that that he's usually at his best when he could combine those two things. And this was the perfect kind of movie. This movie understood his strengths and just played to him. And it was just magic, you know, and the casting, I think I have to, you know, we don't say enough about the casting all the time. Whoever is casting the characters for these movies does a remarkable job. They always seem to pick whether it's Danny DeVito or, Danny Glover or Aquafina, they pick the right oh, people all the time for this. I loved, loved I Great. loved Aquafina in the second one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I fucking love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But no, you're right. I mean, and I think it's like the little things, you know, like having, you know, the big football player become Kevin Hart was inspired casting. Um, but just Jack Black is just so magical because he becomes a teenage girl. Like he really does. Yeah. He's amazing at it. Yeah. And I mean, he's the most uh, really, when you really look at, especially like the first one, he is actually the most accomplished actor in the first one when it really comes to it. Like maybe not box office wise. Cause yeah, the rock always makes a billion dollars, but like he was the most accomplished actor. He's been acting longer than any of them. You know, right. he's been acting probably longer mm-hmm. than like Kevin Hart and the rock combined, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, but he, it just, it played into the strengths of everybody so well. And yeah, you know, maybe that's what's lost on a lot of movies is that, yeah, you're going to have a ridiculous thing, like a fucking reboot of Jumanji that everybody automatically for the most part, everybody that's at least our age, by default, thought it was going to be dumb. Like, none of us thought it was going to be worth a damn. Yeah. Going into it. Yeah. And, but because you cast the movie well, and you played into your actor's strengths, and, you know, you played into these things so smartly that it's just undeniably good once you're out the other side. Like, and that's so understated because the movie Jumanji isn't a complex movie or anything like that. Or, you know, like the reboot, it's like not a complex movie. It's not like they were doing that. It's not like it was like, you know, doing Oscar level fucking acting, but it doesn't need to be at its heart. It's still a family movie and it just, you went in, you had a good fucking time and you were done and it was just simple and it played to its strengths. It never went, Hey, let's, you know, let's try to make the rock cry on command. They didn't need to do that. So they didn't do it. So it worked like they just played everybody into perfection and it worked just so damn well. And on top of that, for sure, had the basic understandings of how a fucking video game works. So it kind of worked with that too. Yeah. 
I, I yeah. think it was creative and clever. Like the even the uh, the guy who's explaining the game and just the oh no, it's just like a an automated person. Like he only says certain things. Like I just think it was clever how they play into that and they they do that in the movie. So I think they were really smart with it. Oh yeah, he played a non playable character so well. Yeah, and it, just the the um, I guess details I would say of thinking to put that in there (laughs) you know what i mean like it's very clever so i appreciated that yeah i like and then it like as y'all were talking it made me think of one other aspect of kind of like this reboot thing but like what exactly is the 2018 halloween i mean it's technically a sequel to the first one it might it might also include the second one. I don't remember. It might be a sequel to both the first and second, or it might be just be a sequel to the first. It is technically considers itself a sequel. But yeah, I, I believe you... it's the first one and then this one. I think it's supposed to be like di- directly just the two, like the original and then this one are supposed to be just the two of them. Forget everything else in between. Okay. And isn't it kind of in this weird place? Because, yeah, because I was going to say, isn't it a sequel and a reboot? Well, yeah. Because there is another sequel, right? So it it, it would be the second attempt at a sequel to this because there is a Halloween. There is an original Halloween, too. So it's almost in this weird place where it is a sequel, but it is also a reboot. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's a sequel technically to one of the stories, but it's also a rebooting of the franchise. Yeah. So I yeah. guess you can also say the same thing about Mad Max Fury Road. While it is a sequel, yeah. it is also rebooting the entire franchise because it was fucking dormant. Yeah. So th- that, but that one just, it's in such a weird place because you had all these older sequels and then they were like, nope, we're just going to not count any of that. And the only thing that happened is the first one. And we're just going to go from there and give this story. Mm-hmm. And I just made me wonder it, it could that work with other things. Like I was with some friends and we decided to watch the first two alien movies. And I, I still enjoyed them alien and aliens. I still really enjoyed them. And then we got to talking about, the third movie and stuff and how we didn't like it and stuff like that. We were kind of summarizing it for another friend who hadn't seen it. And then it just got us talking and we were like, do you think that they could do a Halloween with alien and like, just say the third one didn't happen and pick up from the second one and try to do a story and, was something with like an older Sigourney Weaver and stuff like that. And, and we, they were like, well, you probably could. I mean, if you did it with Halloween, could you do it with something like, you know, a, with the alien movies and stuff and just say, eh, don't worry about the Prometheus and all that other kind of stuff. We're just doing one and two, and this will be the sequel from those and do something with that and kind of take it back to some of the old techniques that they used that really made those two alien movies stand out. And it's like, I wonder if like, and and I'm not going to say if that would work or not for this, but just as an example. And it just made me kind of wonder is like, 
with the success of Halloween, do you think studios will attempt to do something like this more where they'll just take a line of movies and go, well, those didn't happen. This one is taking place here and we're just going <laughs> to tell a new story from here. Or do you think this is kind of a unique thing? Like, well, do you want to see more movies like that or not? Well, I've got good news for you, Justin. As of like four years ago, they were in talks to start doing that for the Alien franchise. Uh, just like you said, starting right after Aliens. Huh. Uh, Sigourney Weaver was signed on. Uh, even the guy that played the main guy in Aliens was going to be coming back. Every, they were going to all come back. You know who was going to direct it? Neil Blomkamp, the, the, the guy that did uh, District 9. Oh. And all this other stuff. But then, whichever one of the Ridley brothers who was doing Prometheus more or less convinced Fox to stop doing that to let him just turn the Prometheus movies into alien movies and destroyed that idea. So you almost oh. had it, Justin. You almost had it. Oh. That makes me sad. Was but. that like one of those things where you were so happy and then so destroyed back to back? Yeah, so glad I did yep. that back to back. Yeah, man. But anyway, I don't know that that just had me thinking because that is a because that Halloween is just such a it, unique kind of reboot where you're not even saying like like because most reboots it's like it's not a pure one like like you said it's a it's technically a sequel, but it's a rebooted sequel. So it's just so but, uh, to me that is just such a weird thing, you know. Like it's, it, but the 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 problem is though is it's not actually unique, just because it's also not unique to that franchise. They've already done that a couple of times within Halloween with H two O and Resurrection. I guess they did, huh? Because they I want to say H two O scrapped every sequel after two, and Resurrection. I think did the same thing and scrapped H2O or vice versa, something like that. <laughs> like they've de technically already done that in the Halloween franchise. Well, then also doing an actual already reboot of it also. Yeah. The zombies. Yeah. yeah. So essentially the Halloween franchise is a gigantic Frankenstein's monster of fucking movies. <laughs> Just yeah. hodgepodge together. But and that's what I'm saying. That's what's funny about it is this isn't even unique to this franchise because they've already done it. Yeah, I guess they have. You're right. Yeah, I mean technically the the zombie ones would. Yeah, they 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 have already done this. So, huh? I didn't even think about that, but yeah. But anyway, I digress. Oh, and that's another thing. A lot of the horror reboots I don't like. I didn't like the reboot Friday the Thirteenth. The what about that Fr Freddy the Krueger one? That Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. You didn't love that with Jackie Earl, Earl Haley. Uh... I, I refuse to believe you didn't actually like that, Justin. Uh... I think deep down inside you did. As much as you like the Child's Play reboot. Oh man. <laughs> no, I I think I I do like the Child's Play reboot better than you like that Nightmare on Elm Street. 
that motherfucker, yeah. they oh, had God. somebody die on webcam and they were just like, no idea. Fuck that movie. And then the, the chainsaw massacre, the beginning and the ultimate beginning. And I mean, they just, uh, yeah, they rebooted that like nine times too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not, not, uh, you know, so a lot of these reboots, man, yeah. Horror, they need to, they need to chill. <laughs> they need to chill. <laughs> I, I do think Halloween did it right the way they did it this time though. Because yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely like some, and I I haven't seen all of the in between Halloween movies, but m- most of them were not great. <laughs> None of them were great, but you know, there's some of them that are better than others. But as a whole, the first one, of course, is the best one of that franchise. After the you know the reboot, or along with the reboot, or the sorry the newer one, if you will. So I feel like doing it that way brings it back to what that original movie, the feels you got from it and everything that it was, it it honored everything that the first movie was. And if you play them back to back and you watch them back to back or whatever it is, you, you feel like this is, this is good. This is a good sequel. This is how you do it. And it taking out all the in-between was the best decision that they made with that. So this specifically Halloween did the right thing by wiping out everything in between. It's not always needed, but sometimes it is like with this. I think that was what makes probably this newer movie probably one of my favorites or I probably my favorite of the Halloween movies, even even after seeing the first one, I still think that this newest one is my favorite. Yeah, I I totally get that. It was one where it was done right. And I mean, I think it is kind of, uh, and, and again, when you're talking about the source material, it could have tried to pick and choose and have things from all the other Halloweens. And it could have tried to, you know, somehow incorporate all that stuff but I think because it told it, it chose to kind of tell a more isolated story and say, no, we're only going to feed off of that first movie. And we're not going to try to pay homage to all the other stuff and the history of Halloween and stuff like that. We're just mainly going to focus on this. And it's going to be about um, the Jamie Lee Curtis character. And it's going to be about her family. And we're going to have it be about the trauma of that and how he works into that, which is a more modern take of it. You know, it is a more kind of modern, more story. I guess you could say field. Yeah. It's a more story driven take of the Michael Myers story. And again, that that's not as in the spirit of the first one, because the first one is very much just that blueprint kind of typical slasher this one was a little more story driven and it did work so again kind of another example that kind of goes away from exactly what the original was but still paid homage to it and had a lot of the elements that worked from that film but in a different way and it worked so yeah you know yep 
All right. I do. There are a few more questions if we want to go through those. Um, yeah. Let me find the next question here. So our next question is from Eddie. And the question is, if you had your bills paid for an entire year, what venture would you do? Attempt a dream job, travel, you name it. That's a good question. Yeah, I like it. Well, you can go first, Heather. I don't think you went first in a while. Oh, man. I mean, if I'm being honest, and maybe it's just because of, like, how how much work I'm putting into my job now, I would probably take, like, a month off from doing anything. <laughs> just kind of be home and do nothing, really. <laughs> so I think I would do that for maybe a month, maybe a couple weeks, but I would say maybe a month. And I honestly do think that I would travel. I mean, I have friends and I have family that live in other states and places that I, I would love to go see them or um, just in general, see places I've never been. Like I've never been out of the country really. So I think that that would be kind of a cool thing to do. But, um, and then honestly, like, because my dream job would require me to have a master's degree, I think that I might maybe try to like start school to get a a grad, um, to do grad school so that I could, after my years full of everything being paid, be able to do what I wanted to do. You know, I think that would be kind of a cool like segue into doing my dream job because I'm not having to um, worry about putting that money that my bills are already paid or paid for towards school. Like I would have other money, like my money I already earned aside from the bills paid for a year that I could put towards school and just finish my degree. So I think that would be kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah. I like what you said. I mean, those are all good ideas and like, Man, I was thinking about this question and yeah, I'm on a similar wavelength with you as just as far as like putting some of that time because that's a whole year. So a free year and everything's paid for and I don't have to worry about money and I can just pursue whatever. Yeah, I could definitely see myself probably taking, even if it's online classes, like um, where like stuff that has to probably do with film maybe film editing, maybe something like directing, you you know, stuff like that, that I could take where it would teach me some more of those techniques and stuff like that to where the, the some, so that I could maybe, you know, uh, on my own time, try to get some of the things I've written on the screen somehow, whether it's me filming and stuff like that. And maybe if I was more familiar with how uh, movies are made and film structure and different things like that and just shooting and stuff like that, I think if I was more educated and versed in those techniques, I could pursue, um, you know, I could get some of my stories out there and I would be more equipped and have more skill to be able to do that. So I could see myself maybe doing some school um, for film and stuff like that. You know, I would definitely spend some time doing that. Another thing that I would probably do is, you know, if I could do that and everything was paid for, 
when it comes to wrestling, because that's another thing that I was thinking about too, you know, what, how could I pursue some passions doing this? And like, if I had a whole year, the, yeah, I would probably move probably to Florida, you know, Jacksonville, Florida is where AEW is. Um, Tampa, Florida is where the WWE Performance Center is. So right now, like, and those are the two biggest wrestling companies. So right now, those are like essentially the havens for pro wrestling. And if I had a chance to move to Florida just for a few months where I could, you know, you know, I, it, it would allow me a chance to kind of go to attend some of some tryouts that may be there, maybe see if I could network with some of the, the, the wrestling training centers and stuff like that that have connections with those companies, see if I could get my foot in, stay a few months, see if I could get my foot in the door and see if I could like prove myself with the talent up there and see if it could lead to some opportunities. I would definitely do that. Like there's no doubt in my mind. If I had a year of time, I would spend some of that time in Florida. That That's for sure trying to pursue wrestling. So yeah, those would be the two main things I would do. And then like you said, taking a month off of work and just doing whatever, dude, a month long staycation would be awesome. I mean, the movies I could watch, the series that I could watch (laughs) (laughs) and I could eat whatever in that time because I would have, you know, whatever I wanted to order or whatever, I could just like, plan my days around, okay, what do I want to do today and stuff like that. That would be so much fun to have that kind of free time. That would just be amazing to have a month to myself. I would totally do that as well. So one of those 12 months, (laughs) so 11 months would be doing this other stuff, but that 12th month, I'd be, I'd be chilling for sure. I like that idea. (laughs) Um. I mean, it really depends. So, like, when it says all bills paid, does that mean in- including the bills I accrue while, like, on vacation? Like, that hmm. part of it, too? You know, because if it's still, well, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. I'm just going to say, because if it's all bills paid, well, I still got to work then, because I'm still going to have to, like, have money to do anything. So I'd still have to work for 11 months to take a month off. Um, I mean, so if it's one of those situations where it's like, for one year, you don't have to worry about any money whatsoever. Um, I would literally just spend a year probably in Europe just eating and drinking my way through Europe. And mainly up like in northern, in what, like northern, maybe a little western, but like not really southern Europe. I'm not huge on Italian food. Like I get it, but it's not like you know, Italian food's never really anything I crave outside of like a pizza. And it's not like you really want to go to Italy to eat a pizza. Um, I'm not huge on Mediterranean food. So it like kind of roll up Greece a little bit too. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's just not something I crave, but like, man, I'd spend so much time in like France and Spain and Germany and Poland and the United Kingdom, just eating and drinking everything. Just all the alcohol that sounds awesome. and all the food. That's all I want. I want to drink every beer I could possibly drink in Germany. 
I want to drink all the wines I can in France. I want to eat all the fucking paella and drink wine in fucking Spain. And then I want to go to fucking like Britain and eat all their food and drink all their fucking pints of lager. Go to Scotland and eat some fucking sheep intestine and some drink some fucking beer. I'd be great. I just want to be drunk and full nonstop for a year. Pretty much. <laughs> That's it. Man. That sounds great. Yeah. That actually sounds tight. Like being able to just whatever. And then all the, I mean, and all the like just places you could go there. You know what I mean? Like, like that would be a lot of fun. And, you know, a lot of times when you do vacation at a place, I would always feel like there's not enough time to do everything. Like when I went to New York, I was like, man, there's so much stuff I didn't get to go do. Or, you know, anytime you go, or even when we went to the Bahamas that time, it was like, man, dude, I just, yes, you were happy and the, the trip was fine, but you always feel like when it's that last day that there was something you didn't do. But just imagine having a year to vacation, like, man. What could you not do mm-hmm. in that year if you could do that? You know, like, like that would just be awesome, you know? So I do like that idea. I mean, and it's slightly different for me because I'm not a sightseer person. I don't really go and sightsee. When I went to New York, I didn't go to Times Square. I didn't go to like the Statue of Liberty. I didn't, I don't, I don't sightsee, you know? I've lived in the Chicagoland area for, it'll be what, eight years this July. And I, I haven't been to a lot of the tourist sites or like the sightseeing sites in the city. Uh, I had never even seen the bean in Chicago, uh, until a year ago. And it's just cause it was winter and I was walking down the street and I happened to look over and go, Oh, that's the bean. And I kept walking. Like I didn't even go into the park where it is. I just happened to see it from across the street and go, Oh, that's where that is. And I kept going. I don't, I don't sightsee. So like, I mean, Justin, you know, like Navy pier is a big sightseeing place in this, in the city. You've been there exactly the number of times I've been there. Unless you actually went another time. Like outside of the oh, wow. one time when you went, that's the only time I've been to the pier. I don't go to the pier. Oh, okay. You know, like I, I, I just, I don't sightsee, you know what I mean? And so like, it'd be different. Cause like, I know a ton of people would want to go to like the museums and like, they'd want to go to the Louvre. They would want to go to the Eiffel tower. They'd want to go like to the Coliseum. They'd want to see all these famous places or like the castle, like, uh, the palace, you know, in England and all this other shit. I wouldn't really want to see any of that shit. Like it just, to me, takes so much time away from doing the shit I want to do, which is eating and drinking. If I'm in a new place, I want to eat and drink. I don't really give a fuck about anything else. I want to eat and I want (laughs) to drink. You know, if I'm in France, I don't want to stand for like nine hours to go to the Louvre to look at the Mona Lisa from across the room because there's 90,000 other people there. I don't want to spend my whole day doing that. Do you know how much wine and buttery ass food I could have eaten in that amount of time. That's what I'd rather do. (laughs) So like, it's one of those things that like, when I say like, I'd want to eat and drink my way around Europe, I legitimately just mean that 
I, I, I mean, I would do nothing else. I wouldn't see any sights. I would just go to a town and go, hey, where's a good local restaurant? And like, that's it. You just talk to a local person and go, where's a good local place? And I go there and I eat and I drink. You know what I mean? I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't have to go to the fanciest restaurant in France. Send me to a place that the fucking local people go to. I'll fucking go there. Because guess what? It'll have good food and it'll have good wine and I'll be fucking fine. Like, I'm like, cool. My goal is set. Yeah. Can't fault you for that. Yeah. Shoot. Eating and and drinking, I imagine, would could be fun. But I would definitely do the eating. If I was there with you, oh yeah. I'd be on some eating. <laughs> well, until I fell out and couldn't last, I guess, but still. Hell yeah, motherfucker, you'd tap out. I would try, though. You'd eat a try, carb. Though. You'd eat a carb and your body would shut down, little bitch. <laughs> oh, well, they don't do that many carbs in Europe, do they? All right, Justin, I think you uh, don't know where Europe is or what European food is. <laughs> I know, that's like the main thing. I mean, it really depends on where you go. I mean, Germany, yeah, they have some, like, they do have stuff. But, I mean, Germany Germany is a lot of meat. A lot of meat in Germany. You go to France, though, yeah, they've got a lot of, like, food and stuff like that. But, uh, come on, dude, you'd have to eat all the croissants. <laughs> so, a lot of carbs, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you would, I mean, if you went on my plan, you would luck out. Because you wouldn't be going to, like, Italy and eating a bunch of pasta. But... You know, you'd still be getting those carbs, though. Like in some paella in Spain, they'd be getting some carbs in there. But it's delicious. <laughs> All right. Anything else on that one? Oh, man. I think we have good lives. If we had dream lives, we have good ones. <laughs> um, All right. Next question is from Jeb. It is, if you could create your own unique brand... What would it be? Hmm. Your own unique brand. Hmm. That's a tough question. I don't really think in those ways. I think that's the problem. Like I never think, oh, I should make a brand of something like a, a product or something. I guess if anything, it'd be like a podcast network. Of like more different types of shows. Not necessarily saying I'm on all of them. But like. Producing more shows. And. You know just having the ability to do that. As my job. You know what I mean. So like you have other people. Like have somebody do a sports show. And I just produce that. You know that type of thing I could do. That I guess that would be my brand. I like that idea. Yeah. I mean really. When I thought about it, I was like, well, I mean, uh, I mean, I do think yeah, it's a little I, weird because in a way we did create our own brand with cinema slayers. Like that's way, what I was about to that say. Is that's what this brand. is. Yeah, that's what this is. And I was just going to say, if anything, I, I would just, I just would wish we could expand this more. And I don't mean expand like we need. Uh, a panel of 
like a table, a round table of people. And, you know, you got 12 people talking about this movie or whatever. Not necessarily something big like that, but I do wish, you know, I, I, I sometimes wish that we could have a bigger audience or we were on more, a, a bigger media presence and stuff like that. Just stuff that I'm sure any starting brand like us or one that hasn't been around as long uh, to peak wishes for just things like that. You know, if I could put, um, you know, it, it'd be nice to be able to start some, you know, I'm, my hope is, is that one day we're to the point to where we're, you know, we've got the kind of podcast where we're, we're have we're reading off sponsor stuff because now people are paying to be on here and stuff like that. And, you know, it would be cool if we got the kind of clout where we were invited to like award shows and different things like that, or um, film festivals and stuff like that. Like it would be cool to get to the point to where we're considered like movie media to where we're, we're hanging with some of the big dogs and our opinions like matter that much. I think that would be cool. So I don't know if I would wish for, or try to do another brand. I just kind of hope for us to continue to grow with this one and just see what the maximum potential is, whatever that is, you know? You know? Yeah. You know, that's cool. I like that answer. Yeah. I don't, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm on the same page with that as well. I think if it was one of those where it, if we were doing something other than this, or if we were doing aside from this, if there was something, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool to do a, um, like a lifestyle blog or like inspirational blog or something like that, like a self-care type of blog where I can just kind of write, write things about, you know, this is what I'm learning in life. These, these are the things I'm doing. These are the things that are helping me take care of myself and make me become my best self. Like, I think it would be kind of cool to do a blog about that kind of thing. Um, I feel like that's the way I best express myself is like writing and showing other people what I'm learning as I'm going through stuff or things that, you know, oh, I just learned about this thing. I think it would be helpful for you or this product that might be helpful for you or routine, you know, so I feel like that would be kind of a cool thing to do also if I, if I ever gave myself the time <laughs> to do something like that. But I think that would be kind of, if I was going to be a brand other than being on like this podcast per se, I think that would be along the lines of what I would do. Yeah, that's cool too. I, I like that answer too. It was a good answer. All right. Okay. Only a few questions left. I am getting the next one loaded and it is um okay top five comic villains of marvel go ahead justin oh i hate you um i mean if you man, want me to go this first is, i will um uh, yeah you go first because we've been kind of rotating I, I went and then she went so yeah it is actually your turn not that there was a rotation, but all right, yeah, go ahead. Um, so just off the top of my head, Doctor Doom, Apocalypse. Let's go, Magneto. 
I'm torn here. Do I put Venom? Because he can go back and forth. Or do I put Green Goblin? Let's go Goblin. And for my last one... Oh... I mean... Let's go with... Now this is all right. This one's going to sound weird. It's a personal favorite of mine. I understand a lot of people might not even know who he is or anything like that. But I also, I, I just for whatever reason always loved Onslaught. So I'm going with Onslaught. That's my five. Man, that's a good list. That, Onslaught. That's a, who is that? All right. So Onslaught is technically all the darkness that was in Professor Xavier like manifested physically into its own corporeal form that like took on the entire Marvel universe at one point pretty much and like like kidnapped Franklin Richards and was going to like use his power to like destroy everything but like the entire Marvel universe came to like beat him if it's not him oh I'm going to change it. I'm not going to put Onslaught. I'm going to take Onslaught off. I'm going to put the Kingpin as my number five. Hmm. Yeah. That was one of mine. Yeah. That was one of mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the Kingpin. Sorry, Justin. I had to. Oh, it's all good. We're, we're, there's, I'm sure there's going to be some overlap, so no, it's all good. Well, yeah, because I know either way you're going to say Dr. Doom. Like, because you can't, you can't not put Dr. Doom on that list. Yeah, how could you not put Dr. Doom on your list? So, yeah, obviously, Dr. Doom's got to be there. I, I don't know how you don't put him on there. He's just got such a remarkable story and just, it, th that's such an interesting character. Um and he's the best. He is hands down the best Marvel villain out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's one of those things where really like his true ambition is he thinks that he is equipped to make the world better. And there are stories where he was actually proven correct that he is the person. I, I think he picked up Mjolnir one time. I've seen like like he's done some amazing stuff. Almost beat Galactus or outsmarted him himself. Like, like uh, he has done some amazing stuff. Doctor Doom has, like, and, over the years. And there's not anyone in the Marvel universe he hasn't been a villain for. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So, yeah, Doctor Doom um, is the man. So, yeah. So I, I I I really like him, man. Uh, Sabretooth, I think is pretty cool, man. I, I like the, I like him and Wolverine. Um, I, I like that feud. I, I like them in the comic books and the back and forth with each other. And like, I was first introduced to him in the X Men cartoon, the '90s cartoon that came on Fox. And I just remember being fascinated with him because of just the back and just the back and forth remarks with him and Wolverine and them always backbiting each other. And they would have these crazy fights. And since they both 
have that healing factor. It was just kind of like, who's going to do what first to kind of change the tide of the battle? So I always found those two characters, that dichotomy, very interesting. You know, I always like enjoy comics where he would face off with Sabretooth and stuff like that. And they do some pretty messed up things to each other in the comic books. Like, don't get me wrong. So he's one that just sticks out in my mind. And plus, I like it. I like how he's big and burly. I like the character design. I like Sabretooth. I, I think he's a, a pretty cool villain. He's a good villain that complements the hero, if that makes sense. I like villains who complement. You know, and, and, and that's why I guess Dr. Doom is amazing because he can compliment just about any hero in some sort of way. He can compliment and be that antithesis of them. But Sabretooth is one that just stands out to me. Um, another one that I've always liked and see like Kingpin is just man. Kingpin is awesome. Whether it's him against Daredevil or him against Spider-Man, I always just enjoyed that character. And there was just something about him because normally like the the mob or business tycoon, the evil business tycoon kind of guy is, you know, typically they're they're usually weak or they they usually kind of like they're like by the time the hero gets to them, it's it's just pretty much you know they can't do anything so they, they so they have all these minions do stuff to them but what i thought was cool about kingpin is that when i first like encountered him in the comics and everything he was so not like any other like businessman like final boss guy there is he was so big and so hulking and the fact that he trained and it, it was he was almost like e honda in a way where like the top half of e honda is all muscle and like then the bottom half he's got that fat but don't get me wrong he's agile he can move like kingpin is pretty damn solid and he could catch spider-man you know he could hurt spider-man despite spider-man's spider sense and despite daredevil's like innate abilities he still had the physicality and the ability to give them problems physically and i mean that to me is impressive because that man is just a man you know unless there's something i don't know unless there's something about the lore you find out something about him that i don't know but for from what i understand he is just a man and that's pretty damn incredible that he was able to get to give such great superheroes be an adversary for them um, throughout the years. And I mean, just some of the best stories from Spider-Man and Daredevil are stories that involve him. So and he's just another one that stands out. Oh, go ahead. Well, just with that, like, and especially currently in media too, We've gotten two very iconic Wilson Fisks. When you look at Vincent D'Onofrio in the Daredevil series. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. it's just downright perfection for a Wilson Fisk. And while at first I was visually jarred by it, 
but that Wilson Fisk in Into the Spider-Verse is also fucking great. Like, when oh, you first man, see yeah. him, the way they do the art style, it's very visually, like, off-putting. But not in a bad way. But, like, when I first see it, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like this. But then, like, five seconds into him actually doing stuff, you're like, oh, no, this works. Especially with uh, Liev Schreiber doing his voice. Oh, it's fucking great. Yeah. Like, and I think those two things are what kind of put him on my list with this is like for a lot of the reasons you said, but it's just like memorable, like villains we've had in non-comic media. It's really been Wilson Fisk. I mean, like I said, that Vincent D'Onofrio one is utter perfection with the way he does it. And, yeah. and you know, into the spider verse, being one of the sneaky best comic book movies ever fucking made. Like, it's just that Wilson Fisk is great in that too. Like it just shows the range that that character has. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely right. Like all of that. I wasn't even thinking about the human, the, the actor portrayals that we've got of him and even the Michael Clark Duncan one. Yeah, some people didn't like it and stuff like that, but I still thought, even in that movie, he did a respectable job. It may not have been to the level of those two performances, but I still thought that he did a respectable job. He wasn't the biggest problem I had with that movie or anything like that. So even that was a respectable job, you know? There are no problems in that movie. (laughs) None whatsoever. Um, but so, yeah, that that's a great point. Just the performances that we have gotten uh, that were inspired by this Kingpin character. Yeah, you, you got to give your hat off to those actors for being able to do that. Uh, and I know you did you say Venom or did or did you say you might put Venom? I can't remember. I, I was you... deciding between Venom and Green Goblin, and I went with Green Goblin. That's right. Well, yeah, I'll go the other way on that, and I'll put Venom in as my number four because, I mean, like, and I understand why. Like, when you look at him and Green Goblin, really, you could go either way with those two. Those are both just iconic and amazing characters. But, man, when Venom came in and... You know, Todd McFarlane, whenever he started writing for Spider-Man, he just had a way of like, I I love Todd McFarlane's artwork for Spider-Man. And I mean, obviously, I don't need to even talk about Spawn and the artwork of that, but my goodness, man. But like, um, oh, and the Todd McFarlane toys, hell, if I collected anything, it would probably be those toys. Those figures are amazingly detailed. But anyway... I just, I'm a huge fan of Todd McFarlane. And like when he started writing Spider-Man and he came up with this Venom character, I just loved everything about this Venom character. This Eddie Brock, this failed reporter who just couldn't cut it and was kind of outed by Spider-Man or proven a fraud because of uh, Spider-Man's superhero. And then also the fact that, that Parker had come into contact with that symbiote suit in uh, Secret Wars, I think in the comics, is yes. where he got it. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, and so when he came back to Earth with it, you know, for a while he was Black Spider-Man, but then, you know, 
um, broke that bond. The Fantastic Four helped him out and he broke the bond with the symbiote or whatever. So the symbiote, this living alien, had this problem with Spider-Man. He hated him. He hated that he broke that bond. So like him and so Brock and the symbiote finding each other and forming that bond out of the hatred for Spider-Man just made for a, what was a great character. And he was great because like he could do Spider-Man's webs. He was twice the size of Spider-Man, but the symbiote could move and he could shape shift and do all this neat stuff. Uh, he was immune uh, Spider-Man Spider-Sense couldn't detect him, so he was hard to hit. He was very dangerous. Like, I mean, he was just, and then he was a wisecracker too. So I just remember reading those comic books with Spider-Man versus Venom were just so incredibly entertaining. So yeah, I, I think I'm going to give him some love, man. So uh, despite what we think about that movie, which... If you haven't heard the Venom podcast, <laughs> I think the one of the greatest rants in history that was done by Sterling was on that one. But so, yeah, we, we quite haven't gotten the movie adaptation right with Venom. But man, the comic book character is he's great. So great character design, memorable character design. And even when he went babyface a few times and was like the lethal protector, those comics were entertaining too. I, I remember collecting all of those and vividly remember some of the Venom comic covers. They're they're memorable uh, comic books for sure. Um, and then lastly, we'll go Omega Red, man. That's another character that I've always liked. I always liked his character design. I, I always thought that he was kind of a cool character. And even though he's not like, I don't know, maybe he could be considered a top-tier X-Men. Maybe not top-tier, maybe mid. I don't know what you would consider the top-tier. I guess, you know, Magneto, uh, like like Mr. Sinister. Like, you know, there are some top-tier X-Men people, and, the, and then there's, like, him. So I don't know if he makes the top-tier or not, but I always appreciated Omega Red. I always thought that he was a cool character, you know, so... And he was fun to play whenever he was playable in Marvel versus Capcom. So there is that. So yeah, that that would probably round up my top five villains. Heather, what about you? <laughs> um, I can't really speak to comic book villains because I don't really know them based off of comics. I would only be able to speak to the movie villains from Marvel. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could do that, but <laughs> it's, mm, I don't know. So you got quite a few to choose from. I yeah. mean, if you think about all 20 something of those movies, there's, <laughs> there's enough yeah. to make a list uh, for sure. No, for sure. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, sorry. It's not the comic villains, but it's the best I can do based off of what I've seen. So I'm going to say best villains. I definitely have to go with um, Thanos, um, Killmonger, um, mm, who was um, uh, Michael Keaton's character in Spider-Man, um, Vulture. 
Vulture, I think, was great. Yeah. Um, and I know we kind of had discussed a little bit of like how I feel like the villains, especially in the Marvel movies, progressing, they got better and better because they got more layers as they went on and they were more fleshed out villains and more relatable villains. And so I think that's why those are going to be the ones, the top three at least that I'm considering. But I can throw in there, um, I will also say Magneto. Um, and then, mm, man, that's tough. I think, I, I, I mean, I think I might have to go with Loki, even though technically he's not bad anymore, but he was. So, you know, he was, he was a good villain. So, um, and, and kind of like what you were saying, Jason, too, like the counterpart of Thor, like just their, he was a good villain for Thor, if that makes sense. So it's, it just kind of was a good dynamic, but yeah, I just think that they were more um, relatable. They were, they had, I guess, more depth, but just more actual personality. And you you kind of understood a little bit more of their reasonings behind their 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 thinking and their thought process and why they were villains and stuff like that. So I think those make the best villains because. It, you're intrigued by it, or I was in the movies. I was like, I want to know more about what's going on there. Like, what made them this way? <laughs> so that is what I would consider to be my top five, just based on the movies, because unfortunately, that's all I can speak to. But I, I, you're right. There's there's a good number of villains to choose from. So that that's going to be my top five for today, anyway. <laughs> all right. What's all the right. next question? We are on the last question, which is a question from Ryan. And the question is... Oh, I do want to say this is also a question from our friend Katie. She did put this on mine also. It's the same one. Oh, the same question? If it's, if it's from okay. Ryan, it's the same one. <laughs> okay. Um, the question is um, albatross versus bears. So I'm guessing right. you'll probably have to explain the reason for the question. I mean, a quick little backstory. What, around circa 2007 or so, at an IHOP in the smoking section, <laughs> me and Justin just ended up debating, essentially, spirit animals, if you will. And w what is better, uh, a bear or an albatross? And... Yeah, this has been essentially uh, a long-running debate of, what, 14 years now, Justin, between us? Yes, a 14-year-long debate. And <laughs> we just will never concede and we'll never um, say our side is wrong. So with this, I thought we, we can't really go into a full bears versus albatross debate. But what I was thinking is what we should do, Justin, is each of us give three points as to why ours is better than the other. And then Heather will decide who wins this round based on our three. Will that work for you? Okay. That'll work. That'll All right. work. All right. Uh, cool. You know, loser ass stinky, you know, rat birds go first. What? <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So first of all, an albatross can fly. So, Heather, I want you to think about that. When you think of the word fly, what do you think about? 
you think about something in the sky, you think about your head in the clouds, you think about going wherever <laughs> you want to go in mere minutes, in mere moments. And you think about landscapes, you think about overlooking the horizon as your head is in the clouds, just soaring over. And that is the life of an albatross. They're, they're, they're high, they're up in the air, not worried about what's going on down here on the earth all the time because their head is literally in the clouds whenever it wants to be because they fly. And just imagine how you would feel if you could do that, Heather. Imagine being able to fly, how exhilarating that would be, <laughs> how amazing and cathartic that would be if you were able to fly in the air like an albatross, looking majestic, just imagine looking majestic up in the air. <laughs> that is what an albatross is able to do. Now, question, um, if I may. Yes. In my ability to fly, does it take away my fear of heights at the same time? Yes, it does, because you have okay. no reason to fear, because you can mm. control yourself in the air. You, you will never crash because you are majestic and you will sprout your wings and you will fly. Mm, and that okay. is, and, and so that amazing feeling that, that amazing feeling that you can imagine feeling just, I mean, just think about an animal that gets to do that every single day. Like it is nothing. That's just a Tuesday for him. The most exhilarating <laughs> day. Probably that you could think of in your life. It's just a Tuesday for the albatross. So that would be point number one, flight. Mm -hmm. Point number two, imagine if you are in a, if a bear and an albatross are in a 10-story building and it is burning and you can't take the stairs and you can't do any of that, the only way to survive is to go out of an open window. Who's going to survive? Is the bear going to survive? Jumping out of a 10-story window, or is the albatross going to survive? Because he can just simply fly out of the window. So sometimes it just pays, Heather. It pays mm -hmm. to have wings. It mm -hmm. pays to have wings. It pays to be able to fly above your problems. You know, when you're in a situation of danger, you most if you can fly, you most likely can get away. But a bear is just going to be trapped and go, I'm a bear, and just burn in the in the burning building. You know what I mean? So come on. I mean, <laughs> like, like, come on. It's safer to vote for the albatross. It is just literally safer to vote for them. And Heather, I know that you like sleep, but <laughs> would you really enjoy hibernation? Would you really just enjoy being asleep for months and months at a time and just missing <laughs> your life. <laughs> it's not the kind of life you want. Just imagine that you're asleep. It sounds You know, maybe it sounds good on paper. Oh man, I could sleep for that long of a time, but just imagine what you would miss, Heather. You would miss your life. You would miss your friends and everything like that. Well, what is Heather doing? Oh, she's hibernating. So we'll see her next season. Just imagine that. <laughs> imagine waking up and having to check all those messages on Facebook. 
think about how many messages you'd have to go through after you hibernated, after you spent all this time sleeping like that. Just imagine, just imagine everything you'd have to get caught up on and everything like that. Would you even be able to keep a job if you hibernated? Of course not, (laughs) Heather. That's so dumb. in this scenario, I'm a bear, but all of my friends are still human? Yes. Okay. It's my scenario, so you have to roll with it. Okay. They, they are all humans. Right. You are bear. And, and, you, okay. and is she, is she's a working bear. I'm, <laughs> I'm a working bear. Yeah, you're okay. a working bear. You have a job. You've, you've been, you know, you're in society and everything <laughs> like that. They know what you are. And you hibernate. <laughs> so just imagine okay. just how awful that would be i mean just imagine how awful that would be you know if if that's what you had to do just to get some sleep i mean come on how lazy are you but an albatross night and day you can be where you want to be it's freedom 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 total freedom to go where you want to go and you don't have to sleep forever and guess what when you don't like the weather, you can go somewhere where you appreciate the weather. <laughs> what do they do when it gets too cold or when it gets too windy? They travel. Where do they go? They travel. <laughs> and that's what you said you wanted to do, Heather. How is this not your spirit animal? You just got through telling us, Heather, that you love to travel and you wanted to travel. If, if you are on the side of the troughs, Trosses would totally love for you to do those things. And whenever the weather got not fun or got boring, you could just say, I'm out and go to where the sun and the fun is. So, Heather, with that being said, you need to place your vote for the Tross because the Tross doesn't spend most of its life sleeping. The Tross will floss and the troughs will fly wherever the sun may be. And I am done. So it was flight. Um, what were the other points? It was flight, lack of hibernating. <laughs> and wouldn't die and from a 10-story fall because it would fly away. Wouldn't, wouldn't, yes, okay. Yep. It would escape it. from danger. Can get away from any kind of danger. Most dangers because... It can't be caught. Okay. Those are some those are some good points. All right. Tough those are bullshit points. Those are bullshit <laughs> points. All right. Point number no, one for the bears. Okay. Uh-huh. So obviously, as Justin stated, as a fan of the albatross, you know, he's on that side of the fandom. Now, would you want to associate with that fandom of somebody that doesn't know actual biology when it comes to the animal kingdom and doesn't realize that hibernating isn't actually the act of sleeping for three to four months straight. That's not actually what bears do. They still are actually active and do move around and they're not actually asleep the whole time. That's an urban legend. Also with that, he's also the kind of person that would sit there and claim something like, well, you would hibernate for three months or whatever and you would miss out on all this stuff. You would have no friends and no job or anything like that, but you should be like an albatross. But then he lists what would be essentially the same problem for the albatross because they can't handle the cold weather 
and they would have to travel south for the summer or for the winter. So then you would still miss all your friends because you would then be gone from them. And then you would also not be able to have the same job because you would have to move for a few months every year. So it's still the same problem technically that he presented that the bears would have through sleep, but also he doesn't even understand what hibernating is. That's the type of people that like albatrosses. Do you really want to be associated with those type of people? Are you going to make any points for the bear or are you just going to count on my points? Well, I just said, the, but I also, <laughs> what point have you made for the bear? <laughs> also, well, I made the point that they don't actually sleep for three months during hibernation. See also included in that point, albatross fans don't listen. Just saying. <laughs> point number two. Is it ever a romantic thing to have sexual relations on an albatross skin rug? No, because that'd be uncomfortable. (laughs) Nobody would want to do that. That's not a desirable thing. Nobody would want that. Plus, an albatross isn't even big enough to be a rug. It's just boring. You know what you can do with a bear after it's died peacefully and you come across its its carcass that's still fresh and you could skin it? You make a nice little bearskin rug rug out of it. You know what you get to do on that then? Make sweet, sweet love by the fire in the most <laughs> desirable of ways. That it's just, that's just what's so common and desired in people's fantasies. Not no albatross rug. Because if you leave the feathers on, that's just prickly and they're going to be stabbing you and they're uncomfortable and there's no source of padding or heat or anything. But then if you actually just use the skin, that's just unco- uncomfortable and prickly and bad. So at no point is an albatross anything useful outside of being alive. Whereas a bear in its nobility is useful alive and dead. Just saying. And three, here are some facts about albatrosses that, you know, Justin wants to like ignore. You know what a, a like a sign is like a, a bad omen when it came to like seafaring back in the day? They would call it like having an albatross around your neck, which would mean you're unlucky. Nobody wants to have perpetual bad luck. So just having an albatross around your neck would be bad luck for a person. Think about just being an albatross all the time. It's a perpetual state of unluckiness. And who would really want that? Also, one of the things that Justin conveniently forgot to bring up is the fact that I read somewhere once that Ronald Reagan's favorite ep- animal was an albatross. Who wants to be that? Wow. You I'm did just that. Saying, it's Ronald Reagan's favorite animal. And if there is not <laughs> a Ronald, like if the albatross isn't the Ronald Reagan of the animal kingdom, I don't know what else is. Just saying. Notice how there's not different colors of albatrosses. Nope. They's all white. They're all white supremacists. They are the KKK of the avian uh, phylum. No, you know what the bears have? All kinds of colors, all kinds of creeds. They, they're so accepting. There are white bears. There are black bears. There are brown bears. There are sun bears. There are koala bears. There are all there are panda bears that are black and white. There are all kinds of things, and well, yes. I know technically pandas 
aren't technically bears, but they share the nomenclature, so it works. And then also, I do know koalas aren't technically bears either, but they still have the name. So I get to include them in this argument because you know why? Bears are inclusive. Albatrosses are Ronald Reagan and separatists and terrible. Oh boy. All right, Heather, choose. Who wins this one, bears or albatrosses? Oh boy. Man, this is tough. You both made some good points. Um, Although a know. lot of his points were just, I don't know what was the third, the fourth, the fifth point, the sixth point, or a lot of it was just <laughs> running down the troughs, but not really giving the positives of the bear, in my opinion. You know? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, oh, yeah. And also, bears uh, like to eat their own young sometimes. If they're really like hurting for survival, they will eat their own kids. Like albatrosses so, yeah, don't. Heather. So, yeah, Heather. Albatrosses will just knock their own eggs out of their fucking nest because they're stupid. Come on, dude. <laughs> you want to get there? Come on. And I mean, and like I said in my first point, obviously, albatross fans don't pay attention. Because I brought positive points about the bear in every single one of those points. It's just not my fault that I was able to, you know, twofold attack the tross and, you know, defend the bear simultaneously, which obviously albatross people aren't capable of doing. Just saying. Oh boy. So bears, the points are they're inclusive. Um, they are good for use after they die for sex. Um, and and barefoot fans aren't dumb. Mm. Okay. Man, this is tough. This is tough. And then, you know, albatrosses fly and they travel. Although I also mentioned I want to hibernate for a month if I had the time. Although the sun sounds good and I'm not good with the cold. Hmm. Built this is in, tricky. Built in fur coats. You'd be fine <laughs> in the cold. <laughs> A built in fur coat. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, yeah. Okay. Um, this is tough. <laughs> what was that? They eat their own children. <laughs> Albatrosses Whispers. are the Ronald Reagans of the animal kingdom. <laughs> this is Ronald tough. Reagan never ate his own kids. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, if he didn't, you sure as fuck know Nancy did. That's all I'm saying. Mm. I mean... The two, I, I have two things that are in my mind on why I'm leaning more towards one than the other. The first one being, I, uh, is, okay, if I'm, if I'm just me and I want information, if I'm just like thinking about one of these two animals and I'm like, which one am I more interested in learning about? Which one do I want to, like, if I were to to see them or whatever, like which one would I more actively like try to look up and figure out about them? 
I would have to give that to bears because I find bears in general more interesting than birds. Um, and also me being a person who is as much as I do love, you know, changes of scenery and stuff like that. I also am a creature of habit. Like I don't like a lot of change. So I feel like I personally would be more of a bear if that makes sense of these two animals. So that's why I slightly, I, I think I slightly have to give it to bear just for those two reasons, which has nothing to do with the points that either of you guys made. <laughs> but whoa, whoa, whoa. You have to base it off the points we made in this one. That's the whole okay. point. You have to base it on our points. Okay. Well, let me just, I just wanted to walk you through my process of where I'm at with it. I was leaning towards bear. Why are you fighting this? <laughs> hey, we play um, by the rules when it comes to albatross versus bear. Mm, okay. This is sacred. Got to. Yeah, this is oh, a 14 boy. year long feud. Plus, this yeah. is one of those things that if we do this again, you're going to have to choose based on the points for that one, too. Uh, this is not going to be the last time we talk about this. On it this. won't. <laughs> it will not. It never. It's never ending. And so you're so, going to have to choose each episode we do it what the winner is for that one. Oh, boy. Just remember, albatross is a racist. <laughs> and bears eat their own children. So, but who made the best points? I mean, come on. Who made the better argument? Who made the more appealing argument? Uh, more it's or less, are you a racist was... or not? Because <laughs> I feel like the points were pretty even, like, for different reasons. But... So it's a draw. Why do you just make me decide this? I am the worst decision maker. I am the nope. worst decision maker. You have maker. to choose. There's no draws in this. You choose, Heather. Are you racist or not? Are you a fan of Ronald fucking Reagan or not? Oh my. You choose. I they're both good points. I there were two points. Or there's a point for each of the choices that really stuck out to me. But I think I'm going to go based off of the point that I that stuck out to me the most that was made, which is the inclusivity of bears. So I'm going to give it to bears this round. A close second was the albatross being able to fly away from a burning building. That was a pretty valid point. But the inclusivity thing that got me, that got me, got me my feels a little bit more than the others. But... That for this round, I got to choose bear. You know, that's a win for equality. <laughs> Love you, Justin, but this round goes to bears. Yep. Equal good quality in meals because they will eat their kids. <laughs> but anyway, that's okay. Hey, hey, I'd rather somebody eating their kids than be a racist. <laughs> well, that's because children you hate kids. Deserve a ch children deserve a chance to leave, Sterling. <laughs> They deserve to not be eaten by their parents. So that yeah, is but true. But what if that child's going to grow up to be a racist? Then the bear did the right thing. <laughs> you just want all children to be non-existent is what that is. Well, it can't be all children because then there would be nobody. We'd all die off, but there can be less. It's fine. <laughs> there can I get be less. It. Okay. Well, that's all. That was it. That was everything. That was our last question. 
Thanks for including Ooh. me on your journey and making me feel uncomfortable because I can't make decisions. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you did not choose the KKK of the sky. I'm glad. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, you totally went for just eating children. That's cool. That's cool. I guess. I guess that's, that's cool. Oh that's cool. no. You rather eat kids than fly? Okay, whatever, bro. <laughs> No, I'm oh, <laughs> I no. mean, if you really think about it, albatrosses <laughs> just look like flying KKK members in the sky. So, wow, this is the conversation that um, broke up the friendship of the Cinema Slayers. <laughs> All right, we're done after this, everyone. It's been a good run. We're we're done now. <laughs> yes, please. No, because that would imply that in 14 years it's done. This will never end. <laughs> yeah, this conversation will be going forever. I have a feeling. So, mm-hmm. on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook where we're Cinema underscore Slayers. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we're Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh, give us a rating and review if you can. I do know that the uh, iOS podcast app kind of went weird um, on most people with this newest update. So if that is the case, you know, we are on Spotify. We are on pretty much every other podcast listening app you could. I personally use Overcast. I think it's like a dollar, but you know, it works. Find what you can. We're on most platforms. So you can go there to find us. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mothers. Mothers love me. Why? Because they're mama bears. And I'm pro bear. <laughs> just saying. Told you mothers love me. And just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. And also, according to Heather, bears are better than albatrosses. Yeah. Next time you're going first, so I can cut down everything you said. Somebody else is fair, but I'll take Nobody this loss. I'll take it. I'll take the loss, but All I'm right. still flying high yeah. like an albatross. Cinema Slayers. Come on, Justin. I know basic courtroom tactics. You always want to go last. Come on.